one Joe. of these days I want to make you a Monica Garola bumper every time she wins. It's to <laughs> it's to my Sharona, but it's Monica Garola instead of my Sharona. Yeah, Monica Garola. <laughs> Look who won another code, another code. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking surprise! It's Monica Garola. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 457. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover counter. Culture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers, and we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers, sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's pop culture leftovers. Five, five, four, four three, three, two, 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 one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Leftovers. leftovers. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? <laughs> I'm doing fucking great, dude. <sighs> Yo, booba. Hey, man. Um, What's wild is that... It was a couple weeks ago. I got an email from a listener. I'm not going to name him or anything like that. And I re- I really appreciate the gesture, but I could never do this, Joe. I I do want to talk about this. I thought this was wild. I could never do this. And there's other ways to go about this. But we had a listener. I sent you the email, Joe. We had a listener that wanted to be on Pop Culture Leftovers and asked me years ago, like, how can I get on the show? I'd love to be on the show. And I was like, well, maybe get on another podcast. I would like to listen to you first and see what kind of flow you have and blah, 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 blah. And I guess to no avail, he could not get on another podcast for some reason, I guess. And so he offered up to be on PCL, Joe, $500. Whoa. $500. Yeah. You can't buy us, dude. Well, it's, and it's not even like that. I feel bad. I would feel bad. <laughs> wouldn't you? Like, that's, I know. <laughs> you can't buy us. <laughs> What <laughs> you can totally buy us if you have deep pockets. You can totally. Yeah, you can. If you've got, hey, if not for five hundred dollars, but you could definitely buy us. I'll fu- I'll suck your dick if you got enough money. I'll encourage him. I'll talk sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but they offered five hundred dollars to be on the show. And here's the thing. I mean, it's like we've got episode five hundred coming up. I mean, put your name in the hat to to be on episode 500 when I make the announcement, you know? Um, oh, and you know, there's so many Leftover Army podcasts. Like, you can get on another podcast. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't buy his reasoning there that it fell through. It's like, no, try harder. There's... Well, There's so many great podcasts in the Leftover Army. And- join Patreon. It, it, instead of instead of spending $500, join Patreon. It's six bucks a month. And then every once in a while, I'll post on Patreon, like, hey, I'm ha- like, I want the listeners to come and join. We're going to have a conversation. Like, yeah, you absolutely. can get on that. And then, like, if I like you on that, like, if I like, that's how, like, that's how we started with Dre. 
I mean, uh, Tristan started on episode like 300 or something like that. Like I, he jumped, he jumped on and I was like, man, I like talking to this guy. This guy's cool. I'd like to have him back on a regular episode, you know, uh-huh. but there's also it's, the flip. It's scary to roll the dice on somebody that you've never heard. Exactly. Before. Exactly. And, and we're like when I used to do start cast and it was just one on one. There were times where I'd just be like, someone would reach out and be like, I want to do an episode. But yeah, let's do it. And then like in those critical few hours before it started, I'd be like, what have I done? (laughs) I have no idea how this is going to go. Yeah, you never talk to the person. Exactly. You know, with PCL, it's like there's there's a watch list. We need to make sure that you watch the stuff. Are you going to actually gel with us? Do you you even have the proper equipment to do a podcast? Are you going to be in a moving vehicle the whole time? Mm -hmm. What is going on? Well, see, like, even if I have like a guest, like I do an interview or something like that, Joe, it's like, they're here to promote something. I know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about their thing. If I have somebody on as a guest reviewing stuff, I don't know. I just did not feel comfortable. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable taking $500 from somebody to be a guest. I, I, I like, I, I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I, I don't, I will never do that. Now, maybe if it was, if it was 10 grand, <laughs> you know, hey, welcome to episode whatever the fuck, right? Yeah, yeah these uncomfortable feelings can be put aside. Yeah. If you want to help, if you want to help me pay off my Chevy Malibu, then yes, you can be on an episode. I think I've got $9,420 left on the payment. So, yeah, if you if you can if you can pull up that that certain amount of scratch, then uh yeah, you can definitely join us if I can pay off a car loan. <laughs> Real world problems. This is still real world problems. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you know what today is? What is today? I found out today. Today is National Brian Day, and I found that out from our guest, Mr. Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise. Welcome, Dan. Hey, what's going on, man? Happy Brian Day. It's National it. Brian Day. It's all about you today. Hold on. Did you, like, how did you, how the, uh, first off, how the fuck did you find out it was National Brian Day? Well, my wife actually, uh, it's something that she gets through her work, and it's just one of those fucked up sites where they go, it's just National Cupcake Day. Today's National Whatever. It was just that. And she just happened to say, hey, it's National Brian Day. I'm like, hey, I know a guy. (laughs) She's like, you're recording with that asshole tonight, aren't you, Dan? (laughs) Those were her exact words. (laughs) It was close. Not exactly that, but it was close. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm sure. <laughs> but are you celebrating? Are you actually taking a celebrated? You know, are you are you in a celebratory mood? That since you have your own day, uh, it, it it no. I'm very anti fucking uh, these commercial fucking holidays, and because it, it all usually National, National Brian Day is not gonna try to sell. You. Yeah, Dan, I watched Brian's song. Uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Life of Brian. It, 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 I watched some Family Guy episodes because of the dog. No, you know, you know I'm not really celebrating. I'm very anti-holiday for the most part because it's just like, let's just find these things to celebrate that'll boost the economy. Like, oh, you need to sell candy? Hello, Halloween. You need to... You need to fucking, you know, uh, then Christmas and then uh, Valentine's Day is the worst. That's the worst. Oh, yeah. I'm with you on that, man. I hate all that commercial shit, too. But when yeah. you have kids, you have to play along for a while until I, they get hip enough to know, like, you're not going to get all that shit anymore. You're an adult. <laughs> Stop it. Stop being silly. Go do that shit with your own kids. But not yet. I thought it was wild, but fucking not, not holiday related, but I thought it was wild that 
the company was it De Beers, the 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 diamond company. They're the ones yeah. that fucking that's that made it so that you have to buy a diamond ring when you get married. Like that wasn't a thing until they. Oh, of course, that's very clever marketing. That's the part. best marketing. That is the best, and they're the ones that came up. I think well, like like it's like however fucking many weeks or months of your fucking salary is the price of the fucking ring and all that shit. They're the, oh yeah, they put it all out there, man, and it's it just got them richer and richer and richer. Jokes on them when it's homeless love. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> anyway. uh, so I googled this, and National Brine Day double dips. Uh, Today might be Brian with an I day, but April 23rd is Brian with a Y day. That's fucking wild. Oh, wow. Yeah, There's a really corner in the market. Well, <laughs> oh, shit. What an honor to be recording with me on National Brian Day. I'm sure <laughs> you guys, this will be a day you never forget. Like, you know, I remember Back to the Future Day. And I actually got to get my, I actually got to sit in a DeLorean on Back to the Future Day. What was it? Was it October 5th? Is it October 15th, 2015 or October? I can't remember. 22nd. October 22nd. Yeah. 2015. On that day, I got the, I, a guy was washing his DeLorean and I got to, I got to, I, I said, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, Back to the Future Day. And he's like, yeah. And I said, oh my God, I love your DeLorean. Can I? Can I get my picture taken with it? And he let me sit in it and, and take pictures with it. And like that is a that 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 was a day I'll never forget. Not, is this is does this rank up there with you guys being able to record with me on National Brian Day? It is it is wild. That is some weird inception type shit. Um mm. gotta correct myself real quick. Back to the future day is October twenty first. I thought it not was twenty second. Yeah, October 21st. And uh, fun fact, National Dan Day is August 31st. Come on now. I didn't even there know it go. existed. Also, my wife's know. birthday, so how about that? That's going to be a special day, Joe. I look <laughs> forward to hearing from you, sir. She's going to be like, why does it say Dan on this cake? And I'll be like, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, National Joe Day, March 27th. How about that? I wonder what names are left off. Like, you know what? Fuck you, Craig. You don't get a day. Yeah, there's not a National Craig Day. (laughs) National Adolf Day. Oh, shit. (laughs) There's not a National Skip Day. (laughs) There is no National Craig Day. Fuck Craig. (laughs) I love it. But Craig with a K gets June 21st. (laughs) Anyway. All right, Joe. About the De Beers story, dude. I got to tell you real quick is that that's because it's just been so flawlessly seamed in to where it's just like normal to do that all the time. Like that's just the biggest scam I've ever heard of where it's just everyone. I I fell for it. I'm sure you fell for it. We're all buying fucking diamonds because of of really fantastic marketing. That's crazy. Uh, I just. I blame the women. Women and their love of something shiny. What yeah, the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, what are we doing? Hey, we got iTunes reviews, Joe. All right, listeners coming through. I'm I'm proud of the listeners on this. Where's the Where's the bump? I can't find any of these fucking bumpers. It's all over. They're all over the. There it is. <laughs> it's one star Junior Hope.
First one, yeah. How many we got? We're at 977. Joe, we need 23 to hit the big 1K. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. I want to hit 1K. Then I, you know what? Once we hit 1K, it'll be the final episode. I'll be, I'll be done. I'll just be done. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this fucker up. That's, that's when we get to rest and just watch TV and movies for fun. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, oh my God. We can go back to those days. <laughs> I don't have to watch all this shit every fucking week. Yeah. When a movie comes out and I'm like, I don't want to see this fucking thing. And I know it's never going to show up in a text yeah. message telling me I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it Joe's like gets the, the new list and it says skin a rink two on it. Joe's ah, just like, fuck you, Brian. <laughs> Anyway, this one uh, this one comes from Tim and Leah, and it's a uh, five star, and it's uh, titled "Feck Off, Jake." And it goes uh, finally. The show is listenable with pseudo host gone. His bland commentary and his smug bored attitude will no longer hold Brian back creatively or comedically. Long live the reign of Joe! Just kidding. We all <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. We all miss Jake, and I don't even know Joe. I used to think I was hate listening to Angry Brian, but now my week isn't complete without all that rage. How the heck did he do that? Brian, you're underrated and might just be a master of manipulation. Joe, you seem good, too. A little bit of a joke. I, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to feeling like the pretty girl at the dance. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not used to feeling like the pretty girl at the dance. I feel like everybody fucking notices everybody else. And like, I'm the little wallflower. I'm the little wallflower that nobody noticed. But then all of a sudden, like, I went through like that 1980s, like teen fucking rom-com uh, montage where they put the makeup on me and I show up. Like, you know, I take the ponytail out and I take the glasses off and everybody, you know, like fucking uh, what's his name? Jake from the uh, fucking 16 Candles movie. What's his name? J- <laughs> Jake, whatever the fuck. He notices me and I feel like, yeah, now I'm the pretty girl for once. I feel like the pretty girl with the, like the, with that one, you know, like he notices me. Oh, my gosh. You see me for me. Wow. Well, their perception aside, I, I will say it sounds like this is two people giving one review and they know we're trying to get to a thousand. They could have given us two reviews with this. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tim and Leah. For the five star. I when I first started reading this one, I was getting a little upset. I was like, oh man, he's going off on Jake a little hard here. I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm not gonna Yeah, it, it felt like they were going so hard that it had to be comedy. You know, like they could like nobody could really feel like about that for Jake. I mean, uh, they on. could. Yeah, they could. Don't kid yourself. Come on. Don't this is kid true. Yourself. We are talking about random people on the internet. Yeah. Come on, you're giving the internet way too much fucking credit, Joe. <laughs> there are a lot of cunts out there, man. A lot of fucking assholes on the, in the you, internet. You're not wrong. But no, I, I kid. That was a fantastic review. Yeah, it was. And, um, and, and I agree, dude. I, I agree. People should be giving you your props. It's nice. It's nice. I'm still here. I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm still fucking here. I've only missed one episode of this entire fucking show. I've only not been on one episode. Done over 700 of them, if you include the bonuses and all that shit, Joe. It's an impressive stretch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it 
shit, fuck that, it is. In <laughs> <laughs> 10 years, just keep going back and showing up for the beating over and over again. What's sad is I, I'm finally just getting the props now, you know? <laughs> ne- next A month. Decade in, people are like, I guess yeah. Brian's okay. Next month is going to be 10 years, and it's like, finally, it's like, oh shit, the guy's grown on me. You know, he's like, finally. You know, <laughs> I love how this guy went from hate listening to now. I love listening to this guy. That's yeah. that's a fun turn. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I do rub people the wrong way at first. Very much so. I'm fine with that, though. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next one. I, I think this guy is put in a previous review, and I usually don't like to. Like if somebody like changes their review and writes a you know a review another review, I usually don't like to read their second review. It's like you no, I'm not going to keep reading your fucking reviews just because you keep fucking changing them. I feel like this person has, but I'm going to go ahead and read it anyway. You know why not? It's because it's been a long time. They're not changing it every month. There was this one fucking asshole that would change his fucking review every fucking week. And he was calling me out on shit and calling Jake out on shit. And then finally, I think the last review was like a nice one. And it's like, fuck you, dude. You've been saying so much fucked up bullshit about me and this fucking show for the past fucking like two years every fucking week. And he's probably listening to this right now and he's going to fucking write something next week. And I'm not going <laughs> to read it, you fucking prick. Yeah, because the subtext is all look at me, give me attention, comment on me, validate me. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. Don't, don't change your review every week. That's cheap. Well, and, and it was like the reviews that this this person would leave, would, it was just bashing me every week until finally, like, their last review was, like, something nice. It was like, fuck you. Yeah, that's total bullshit. That's one fucking cocksucker that can fucking not listen to this show ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, are you still listening? Are you offended? Yeah, fuck off. Exit stage left. Just leave. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, this one comes from... Guh... No. Guh... 1227. And I think... It's also... It's very... That's the sound I make when I orgasm, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Guh... And then I say 1227 because I look at the time. It's like, yep. <laughs> I started at 1227, finished at 1227. They call it out like a death in the OR. Yeah. yeah. Time of orgasm, 1227. <laughs> <laughs> and he's referring to last week's review. Uh, well, two weeks. Re- yeah, was it last week? I don't I, I don't know. It, the, the Go Tribe guy that fucking gave us the one star. Oh, and that was last week. It, yeah, and it's titled Boo Hoo, and it's a five-star. It goes on to say, oh, no, Mr. Gotribe got his whittle feelings hurt. It's a great show of friends. When they clown on me, it's nothing but laughs and great times. I love your Last of Us reviews. As a big video game player, I'm excited for you guys to see part two. Thank you, guys. You guys rock. And that comes from 1227. That's awesome. I, I, I love it when a reviewer in their 
in their I love it when they, to I love it when they come. I love it shit. when they come and during the <laughs> <laughs> during the review, Joe. That, that's how we know it's another yeah. satisfied listener. Yeah, when you fucking climax when you write that's this shit, compliments. It is. <laughs> it is. It's a high compliment when you fucking can orgasm. <laughs> No, what were you saying, Joe? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I love it when when somebody's like, I'm going to leave a review. It's going to be a five star. And in this review, I'm going to talk shit about somebody else who left a negative review. Yeah, that's a fucking that's a fucking listener right there. That is a listener right there. They, they're like, you know what? Not only am I going to give you a review, I'm going to say, fuck this guy who doesn't get it and left you a one star review. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that that's a real that's a real fan right there, and we love you, dude. I just made this motherfucker a two star general in the leftover army for that shit, you know? <laughs> no, because man, he fucking had his fangs out, dude. He's like, "Fuck, yeah. fuck you for saying shit about a show I love," and he said it like he was fucking Jimmy Stewart, apparently. But man. you know, that's uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. Fucking going to bat for us, Joe. That's right, but also shooting ropes at the same time. So that's, yeah, that's great. Fucking, yeah, shooting some fucking ropes, cleaning the old pipes out. I enjoy that. It's nice. Nice to hear. We also got an email, Joe. Those are the iTunes reviews. Oh, fantastic. Got an email here from uh, Andrew P., but he goes by Pat Sajak, and I I, I feel like he sent... uh, I feel like we got emails from this guy years ago, and it's been a while since we heard from Pat Sajak, and he goes on... To say in his email, the subject is thanks, fellas. And it goes on to say, hey, guys, just want to offer my wife's ham wallet up for you guys to pound down on. Holy shit. I swear she hears y'all's voices and she sprays, sprays an aquarium's worth of love juice all over the floor. Not going to lie. My cheeks clinch and my balls empty when I hear the intro tune. Please. I swear this is an email I got. I swear to, I swear, I swear to Christ. I swear. The further you go, the less I was doubting its authenticity. This is a, you gave us that. Disclaimer. I will screenshot this motherfucker for you, Joe, and send it to you. I swear to Christ, this is a fucking email we got. Goes on to say, please come take my wife to Pound Town, and I'll cook burgers afterwards. Great job on the podcast, uh, and Joe's doing a great job. Now get over here. And jam up the. <laughs> now get over here and jam up those logs of hers. Cheers and hail Satan. Best Pat Sajak. <laughs> hail Satan at the end too. This guy. This, this guy's guy. Real fan. Yeah, man. I think I'm gonna take him up off it on that offer, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so do you uh, watch and jerk off and cry in the corner? Or you uh, she just tell you about it afterwards? How does this work? <laughs> I think as I'm like going to, I think as like I'm going to town on her, I'm gonna be th- singing the theme song. You know what I mean? There's already like seven billion podcasts <laughs> talking about pop. I'll sing it like all like sexy. You know what I mean? Like, like an R and B singer and shit. Uh. <laughs> you doing a remix? <laughs> a remix of our theme song? Oh, fucking ridiculous! Pat Sajak, you're ridiculous, man. Oh, I love a, it. That was a very funny. Email. <laughs> a great email, dude. Thank you. 
it, dude, if people are going to start sending in emails again, you're going to have to dust off that email bumper. It's been far too long since I've heard that. I ain't playing that thing. <laughs> Mail. No. Ah. I got my reasons, Joe. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk after the episode. I got my reasons. I got my reasons. It can live in in my memory and nostalgia from years gone by. There you go. And uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, our buddy. I I got an announcement here for from our buddy Chris Lowe over at Volk, and he wants to let everybody know that uh, the Volk is releasing the I Fed Animals video. This is a new music video that they've got. They're dropping it on Wednesday, March eighth, and I'm telling you, like. You know, from what I've seen, it looks fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so uh, this is this is his words. This is his words. I'm going to read his message. Uh, he says, hey, fellow leftovers, uh, commandeering the PCL airwaves for a second to let you know about probably the coolest thing Volk will ever be a part of. Our new music video, I Fed Animals, directed by Patrick Pearson. He did uh, Welcome to Cashville music video, which is also awesome. Uh, the video is cyberpunk spectacle of stylized street fights and music performance shot partially on location in Tokyo. It is fucking nuts. Now, I'm not above begging, so please, the entire Leftover Army, please check out the video when it drops on Wednesday on our YouTube channel. And he shared the link. I'm going to put it in our show notes. And when a newly remastered version of the song drops on all music platforms on Thursday, and I got I got the link for that as well. I'm going to post that as well. Uh, the quiet part out loud is that stacking up YouTube views and Spotify. Oh, shit. Don't say that. I don't think he wants me to say that. <laughs> I'm still reading it. Okay. No, this is what you want to do. You want to. He seriously, guys, please. The more views he fucking gets and shit like that. And trust me, you're going to want to see this fucking video. And if you've listened to Chris on the episodes, you already fucking love him. So check out the music video. Dude is super fucking talented. Him and Elliot are fucking amazing. And so and the video looks really incredible. It's so cool to see like people that we know, friends that are in the leftover army doing very cool fucking things. And this is very fucking cool. And the song's awesome. And the fucking their music videos are fucking incredible. So please, I'll share links. And then when you go to their YouTube channel on Wednesday, on March 8th, I mean, these views are going to help them. Okay, we want to catapult them. I mean, seriously, I would love to see these guys fucking, you know, just be able to go on a tear and uh, and really make a a, a great living at at doing this. I can't even I can't imagine Joe being a fucking in a band and traveling and all this shit. And sometimes, you know, they don't even fucking get paid at these events and shit so oh yeah they're really out there doing it and they are absolutely talented musicians if you've never checked out volk look them up on youtube spotify and you're gonna be blown away at the quality of music and and chris has shown some sneak peeks with us of this new video and it looks amazing i cannot wait to see this yeah yeah. If I may, I've uh, seen that video as well. And I got to tell you, man, these aren't just your standard videos that bands are putting out on YouTube. This is like professional stuff that you would see, like the back in the days of MTV when you were just watching videos in rotation. Yeah. They do not play around with the style. Like they really, really go for it on their videos. And they're so talented and so cool. Yeah. Oh, I agree. The video looks incredible. I'm not just saying that because he's a friend. It, it, you know, it, it looks incredible. But, uh, oh shit. I got a fucking voicemail message. 
It was weird, Joe. I think oh. it was, uh, listen, I, I don't know, man. Should I be creeped out by this? It sounded like there was some Morse code in there. I'm going to play it. And if any, any of our listeners know Morse code, let me know what they're trying to, trying to say here. I think this is it. It's Friday. Was it this one? Might be this one. Hold on. No, I think it's this one. Hold on. Can you hear that? Yeah. It did sound like Morse code. Happy National Brian Day. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Remember? I happy. I knew where that was going. <laughs> Remember to drink your Ovaltine. No. It was weird. It just freaked me out. It was one of those weird fucking... I, I was kind of freaked out when I fucking heard it. I was like, what the fuck is this? That's all it was? There was That's no actual it. words? It was just... No actual words. It was just like fucking like Morse code beeping and like static and shit. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck it's is like, that? It's like some Metallica one shit. Like Johnny got his gun. <laughs> it was weird. So if any of our listeners can make out what the fuck they were Morse coding me, let me know. I'd be interested to, to know. Maybe it was fucking Andrew saying his wife is wet and ready to go. <laughs> 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 He's like, I don't think they got my email. I'm going to send him a fucking Morse code message here. <laughs> my wife's ready to go to Poundtown. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we got a new contest. All right. I teased it last week. It's for uh five hey, we gave out five digital copies for uh uh devotion. I've got five physical Blu-ray copies of Devotion. Now on Blu-ray, Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell star in Devotion, the epic and inspirational story based on true events of Events of two heroic U.S. fighter pilots whose sacrifices made them the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. Buy Devotion on Blu-ray now with action-packed bonus content. It's rated PG-13, and it's from Paramount Pictures, and I have five Blu-ray copies that I'm going to be giving out to listeners. I'm going to be posting a a Devotion uh, Facebook post and a Devotion tweet, and all you have to do is retweet it or share it on Facebook, screenshot that you did, send me the proof, to a contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Devotion, and you'll be entered to win one of five physical Blu-ray copies of Devotion. And uh, yeah, so please enter the contest. And I want to apologize to everybody for uh, the Little Dixie and what was the other one, Significant Other. I haven't sent you guys out the codes yet. I swear I will. I've just been fucking so swamped and busy and shit. Um Maybe if I, Joe, maybe if I would have taken a break from one of my fucking frantic masturbation sessions and done that, <laughs> it's like I can, I mean, uh, tissues aren't going to fill themselves. No shit. It's like I could find the time to jerk off, but I can't find the time to send these guys their free fucking copies <laughs> of these movies. <laughs> it's like, well, you can always find time to jerk off, can't you? <laughs> Speaking of devotion, you got devotion to your fucking dick over there, bro. <laughs> Devoted to X hamster. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, no shit, man. Fucking no, Joe. I, you know I'm old fashioned. I use my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Renaissance man. Then. I am, man. Sometimes I'll draw a picture. 
Stick with some tits on it. Yeah. I'm good to go. Oh man, I used to, dude. What's the weirdest thing that ever got you like fucking horned up and ready? Like, like I'm not even talking like as an adult. Like maybe as a kid, because like when I was a kid, there was like some weird fucking shit that used to get me horned up. Oh, for sure. I think when I was a kid, the 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 ones that the the first ones where I was like, well, that's curious that that works. Also, was definitely like like cartoons, like Jessica Rabbit or something yeah. like that, where yeah. where I was like, huh, it, I know, I know that that's not a real person, but the way they drew that, yeah, <laughs> that works for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had an ex girlfriend one year at Halloween. She dr- she dressed up as Jessica Rabbit. Oh, that's a keeper. Went out that night. She just is just a rabbit, and we got back, and you know, she was like, "Do you want me to keep the wig on?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> Brian's like, "Please, please." <laughs> you beat me to it, Dan. <laughs> I was gonna go for the patty cake joke first. <laughs> mm. Here's the, okay. Here's the, one of the weirdest things that ever got me horned up as a kid, Joe. Do you remember the Beetle Bailey comic strip? <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember it being a real stroke fest, Brian. <laughs> a lot of fucking going on on that one. <laughs> do you know? Do you, potatoes. <laughs> do you remember? It was like I forget. It was like the sergeant's like secretary, and she had the she had the big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, the smell of newsprint, and I just get hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like it was like this. It was like his secretary, and she was like, you know, like long hair and big boobs, and it was like very. This is a very. She was very buxom. She was very yeah, very top heavy, and I just remember. <laughs> I just remember being like very turned on by the Beetle Bailey strips. <laughs> this shit works. <laughs> That's hot. Ah, human sexuality is a strange thing, my uh, friend. <laughs> guys, I was fuck. I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just confusing boners. <laughs> no, I, there was no confusion about it. That, <laughs> you knew exactly which lines were in that drawing. Exactly. There was zero confusion, Joe. <laughs> Everything felt right in the world in those moments. Mm. <laughs> anyway. You guys ready to move on to Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Dan, what's the egg? No, you give me a weird fucking boner moment for you. I was feeling left out. I didn't want to like stop the show. You know what I mean? You know, I got something for you. Give me a, come on. Hopefully it's weirder than Beetle Bailey. <laughs> I don't think anything's weirder than fucking Beetle Bailey, Brian. Right? That's like, that's Even a high bar, dude. Brian Day. <laughs> um, you know, I remember that my, uh, my parents had this, uh, this family, this like these couples, this couple rather and they had this daughter that would babysit me sometimes and uh, I remember she stayed the night one time and she came out and she had like the like the silk short pajamas you know what I'm saying there was just like shorts mm-hmm. and then like just it was like silk pajamas man but yeah like, she wanted to watch TV so I got to lay on her lap while watching the TV and the, 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 the silk and the curves and everything kind of did it for me so that's what I remember she oh was also, yeah uh, she was also the uh, 
daughter of the coach of the Fresno State uh, Bulldogs. So that was, you know, she was like star power. Pretty Dan, awesome. Dan's yes. like, Dan's like, I had a real woman. Yeah. <laughs> See, there was this actual woman <laughs> that came. And yeah. Brian's over there. Stuff. Brian's over there rubbing one out to the fucking Sunday funnies. And Dan's like, I'm over here with my head in the lap of a real woman. You know what? I was kind of like doomed to be that way from the beginning because I grew up and I had uncles that were like 10 years older than me that were essentially like my brothers. So they were corrupting me at a very early age. So the Beatle, yeah, the Beatle Bailey thing, I would have probably went, what's this kid doing? Her I'm name not is. not out with him yet. He hasn't cooked yet. Her name is Miss Buxley. And this is. Buxom yeah. Buxley. Yeah, they said that. Like I'm reading up on her. Uh, Miss, Miss Buxley. Half tracks, beautiful, blonde, buxom civilian secretary and occasional soldier's date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a look at this woman. No, yeah. Look up Miss Buxley. I don't know. Look up this two dimensional lady. <laughs> no, no. She had it going on with the pearls and stuff. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ. When this, okay. Cause like during the regular week, it was black and white, but fucking on, on fucking Sundays, dude, I got to see her in color. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I was it like my fucking dick looked like a fucking loose fire hose. I was like spraying the walls with cum. This <laughs> 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 is a picture of her bathing with Beetle Bailey, man. I'll make sure to send that to you. Oh, for, fuck. For later use. Jesus Christ. Any, oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. That's. <laughs> I need I I need to find a girl that's comfortable with fucking cosplaying as fucking Miss Buxley. <laughs> I'm gonna call me Mister Fuxley. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this episode's terrible, Joe. <laughs> we're starting strong. No, we're not. This is not good. This is not entertainment. I guarantee you there's no other podcast out there right now talking about jerking off to Beetle <laughs> Bailey. God. Dude, oh my God. I don't know if I was jerk. I was so fucking young. I think I was just popping boners and rubbing my dick on the fucking carpet. <laughs> just, I don't know what it is about this, but I just... I don't know what it is about Miss Buxley. <laughs> 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 but I'm going to give I'm going to give my fucking dick... My fucking little fucking 11, 12-year-old dick fucking rug burns. <laughs> this goddamn Beetle Bailey strip. Oh, man. Anyway, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. <laughs> it's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Ah, oh, Joe, you know what? I, 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 uh, we, uh, I saw Creed 3, but before I saw Creed 3, I did a double feature that day. And, uh, I was, it was the last day that it was locally playing here. It had been in the theaters for about a month now. And, uh, I hadn't gotten a chance to, to see it. Uh, Jake had, 
Jake had seen it, and he was like, oh, it's awesome. You got to go see it. I'm talking about uh, Titanic in 4K, the restoration in 3D. Oh, nice. Yeah, you say, oh, nice. Like, do you like Titanic? I don't think you do. Do you like it? I I appreciate it for the impact that it made on cinema, but quite honestly, it's a movie I saw once. I saw it in the theater in the 90s when it came out with the girl I was dating at the time, and yeah. I was like, yeah, it's all right. Not not for me, and I, I honestly haven't watched it since, but I do understand people's love with the movie. I still think you, you can't count out James Cameron, and he showed us stuff in that movie we'd never seen before. Um, but you got to realize, dude, I, I was born in the 80s, so when I saw this movie, I was still a teenager, and and for me, it was like, yeah, it's a, it a tragic love story, not something I'm going to dip my toes back in, but I still understand why audiences in general love this movie. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it came, what, 97, I would have been, I was 19, I, 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 and I saw it three times in the theater, and, uh, I, I actually, the movie was in the theater so fucking long, Joe, I saw it with two girlfriends, so I'd broken up with the one, and I was with another when I'd seen it the second time. That's how long this fucking movie was in the theaters in the theater for London. But now it's back it was back in the theaters, uh 4K and with 3D. And uh god damn, I still love the movie. I thought it was great. I thought it looked beautiful in 3D. I don't know. Dan, you you not a Titanic fan? Most guys that I talk to are not Titanic fans. Oh, I'm married, man. I had seen that movie like four times. It's good. I like it. It's uh, not something that I would ever choose to put on by myself. Oh, I would. But- but my wife was actually pretty excited. We didn't, we weren't able to check it out in our in our area, but uh, she was excited that it was supposed to be playing. And for whatever reason, they didn't play over here. So nice. back to the television for that. I, I, it's good, man. But I don't know. I could put it down. It's not that. <laughs> it's I love a good love story, but this one was a little on the tragic side for me. Oh, I love it, man. It's so. Oh God, I love that movie. And it's you know it is tragic and it's sad, but it's like. You know, and it's like everybody, everybody will say, we know that this shit, the ship fucking sinks. Titanic fucking hits the iceberg and it sinks. And it's like, yeah, but the way that they had filmed it and, and getting to see it. Oh, and, no doubt. And, yeah, it was definitely a spectacle. And and James Cameron was at the top of his game back then. And I remember the marketing for that was amazing. Yeah. So there was really no way we weren't going to go see that movie. I just remember like fucking being in the theater and. And, you know, that part where you get to, you see all the fucking crazy shit that's happening on the ship, right? Like, and you see that part where the fucking people are like falling and falling off the ship, hitting the water. And then you see like the lifeboats out there and, and they're just hearing like the distant screams and they're safe in the boat and shit. And they're just watching people fucking die. And it's just like. I don't know. It just hit me, man. Like, I've gone to a couple uh, Titanic museums, and uh, when you when you go to a Titanic museum, I don't know if they do it at all of them, but I've been to two of them. And the one they like give you a, a name. They give you a name, like it's a little sheet of paper, and it's got a name on it, and lets you know if they were in first class, second class, or third class, or if they were part of the crew. And then you get to the end of it, and then you can look up their name to see if they were if they were survivor or not. Um, and then I saw, I went to one when they had like recreations of like the staircase, like it looked exactly like the staircase and they had some of the, like the China that was on the fucking, the Titanic. 
Um, they had some stuff that they'd actually like brought up from the water and shit and they had on display, which is fucking incredible. And then they had like this one area where you could put your hand in this water and they had the water to the exact temperature that the water was that night. Oh, that'd have been cool. And what you do is they're like, the challenge is put your hand in the water and see how long you can keep it down there. So as soon as your hand hits the water, you see a timer pop up like this red LED like um, timer pops up and lets you know how long you can keep your hand in there. And I'm telling you, man, that water was fucking cold. That water was fucking cold. Like, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't remember how long I kept my hand in there, but it was not like I kept it in there. I couldn't keep it in there for minutes. You know, it was like one of those things where your hand starts to go numb pretty instantly. And, uh, imagine like having your entire body in there and oh, it'd be terrible. Yeah. And, and also in quick. a state of, yeah. And in a state of shock from yeah. going through such a traumatic event. Yeah. Awful. I, I remember when I was a kid, I was just obsessed with the Titanic and shipwrecks in general and stuff. And, and I remember the, you know, they, we had one of those days where, where parents came and, and talked about some of the hobbies and the interesting stuff they do. And, and there was one of my classmates, dad was an amateur diver. And I had asked if, you know, like, Oh, would you ever want to dive down to the Titanic? And in him talking about how that thing is in such deep water that if an actual diver were to go down to it, their pressure would just flatten them like a pancake. And then having my mind blown at just how deep the ocean is and, and what all that means. And so to actually go to a museum and see stuff brought up from that yeah. would be really something to see. Yeah. Yeah. I went to two of them. I went to one of them was in Las Vegas. And then the other one was uh, in Orlando. It was like a, the one the, I think the one in Orlando might be permanent. But the one in Las Vegas was a touring. They were touring this uh, Titanic um, stuff. So it was like they had a stop in Las Vegas. And so I went there. So I've, I've been to two of them and I would go again. I don't know. Yeah, there is something just like. I don't know, just so, so, something like incredibly, it's tragic, but like uh, there's so many different stories about the Titanic. And that's kind of like what I loved about the movie is like it's, they incorporate like real characters that were like real people that were on the Titanic and they try to be pretty faithful to like who they were and what they did. But then they give you like this incredible love story. Um I don't know, man. I fucking love that movie. I don't care what anybody says. And it was awesome seeing Kate Winslet's boobs in 3D. So, no, come on. <laughs> anyway, no, it was it was awesome. It was a great fucking movie experience. If you're a Titanic fan and, and if it's still playing, go check it out. Anyway, The Mandalorian Season 3 dropped on Disney Plus on March 1st. Uh, Chapter 17, The Apostate. It was uh, directed by Rick Fumiyawa. Um, Joe, Mandalorian's back. What'd you think? I was so excited to jump back into this. Um, Absolutely love what Jon Favreau has been doing with Star Wars storytelling in The Mandalorian and and bringing us these these gunslinger type stories and of course who doesn't love you know baby Yoda Grogu and the way that <laughs> I don't know if it was the plan from the start to have him be a series regular but the way that they've wrapped it up 
um, or wrapped him into it. It, it does work. Uh, I was curious what this was going to be like, considering the the interesting moves they made with Book of Boba Fett in that in this different series, they put stuff that is absolutely crucial to the Mandalorian storyline in it. And if you're not up to date on Book of Boba Fett, you just jump from season two to season three. You're going to be curious about some of the stuff that's going on. And also, you know, last year we got we got Andor, which was. It was. I, I just keep been thinking about this ever since watching this Mandalorian <clears throat> three season premiere. And I feel like Andor was the first really like adult storyline that we got in stars. And I don't mean adult in like a, you know, NC 17 type way, but like a, a storyline that's really serious, very, very grounded, yeah, very realistic to what this world would be like. And I absolutely loved it. Like Andor was, it was my, one of my, I, I, it just, it blew me away. I, I think three of the best monologues that we've ever heard in Star Wars were in that season of television, which is just mind blowing with this type of story that they're able to tell. And then so soon after that, jumping back into the Mandalorian, it made it made it feel more like a kid's show to me. Dude. Oh, my God. You're so right, dude. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys that it does. And, 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 and there was a part of me that when I was watching it and having that feeling, I had to confront like I've been a Star Wars fan for as long as I can remember the the original trilogy. Yeah, I think I've watched those movies more than any other series of movies in my life. Um, I I have the <laughs> despecialized versions that I refuse to get rid of off my hard drive because it's such a nostalgic trip to go back and watch those. And if I'm more lazy, yeah. I watch the new versions on Disney Plus. Whatever, judge me. Um, but it's like I love Star Wars. I I can't remember a time in my life that I wasn't head over heels with Star Wars. But it wasn't until Andor came along that it showed this new evolution of as an adult now because yeah. I'm 42, and so as an adult, and then getting this storyline where I'm like, damn, this is kind of the world I want to see. But also understanding from a very real point, Star Wars is. Whether we want to admit it or not, Star Wars is an IP that's really geared more towards children. And Mandalorian, as as adult at times, it can feel with the subject matter of oh, he's a he's a bounty hunter, he's a gunslinger, he's he's the very first episode of the show. He's saying he's holding his blaster and saying, "I can bring you in cold or I can bring you in warm." Not something you think of as children's television, but when you compare this to the last IP that we got in live action Star Wars, which was Andor. This feels very much like kids programming. Um, on, like on the one hand, like seeing all the different aliens and stuff was cool because that's totally Star Wars. But also it was like, man, this this feels a little weird. And so for me, it was like I loved being back in this world. I loved being back with Din and I loved being back with Grogu. Love seeing Carl Weathers back and in in all the the stuff that's been going on 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 the planet that he's on and excited that we're going to get this this you know assassin droid back into it but the whole time in the back of my mind i'm just like fuck i think andor might have fucked me up at least for the short term so i loved this there was nothing technically wrong with it it did everything awesome that is in a mandalorian but for me it was still just a high taste it because i feel like i've reached heights of star wars storytelling that i don't know if the mandalorian can do it for me anymore and maybe not maybe not this is just the first episode and 
I'm stoked about the story that they want to tell us, but man, that whole time in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, fuck, this just doesn't feel as real as Andor felt. Yeah. Andor felt so real and grounded, but also in a galaxy far, far away. And it's not an easy thing to do. Whereas Favreau with the Mandalorian is definitely giving us something that's in a galaxy far, far away, but it's leaning far more into the kids in the backyard with their with their Star Wars toys, just telling these epic, awesome stories and bashing those. There's stories room together. for both, right? I there mean, there is absolutely room yes. for both. But See, that's me, the thing. I'm just, I think I'm more on that wavelength of Andor, but I can't. That doesn't mean that this was bad. It doesn't mean that I dislike it. Yeah. It, it just means that I, I think I liked that other one better, but I still love this. It's, it's a very complicated feeling, and I feel like you're on that same track, Brian. I am 100% there with you, man. It's like, listen to this. Like, if you love The Mandalorian more than Andor, I totally fucking get it. It's just, it, it's a different flavor. I just, I personally like Andor better. I, I, I don't know, man. It, it, you're right, Joe. It, it felt more adult and, I mean, I've aged, I'm older, and it's the story, like, I it, I, I was just captivated. I was like, I, I did not know Star Wars could be like this. Tony Gilroy is fucking killing it. This is fucking amazing. But then there's people that watch it, and they're like, this is slow. This is boring. I don't like this. They like the, they like the lighter, I guess, you know, the action-heavy, more Star Wars-y feel of The Mandalorian, which I like it, too. I... I think it was I I think it was Nana on Twitter said something, you know, like I posted, you know, I retweeted Steven Weintraub who said something about, you know, Andor being better than Mandalorian. I said I I I put like agreed. Not saying like I hate the Mandalorian, but just saying like, you know, I I do like Andor a little bit better. And I told, you know, Nana was like, "Oh, but is it though?" And I said, you know, I said I said to him, and this is how I feel, like I said Andor is like a like a fine cuisine and the Mandalorian is like chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese to me. It's like that I here's the thing Joe, I like both. Like I like going yeah. I like eating a gourmet a gourmet meal. Like I I mean like by a fucking chef that takes pride in what they fucking do and they serve it and you're like, "Oh my god, that was fucking amazing." But I couldn't eat that every day. Every once in a while, I just want to, like, you know, fucking, you know, sometimes I just want that chicken, those chicken nuggets. And I just want to eat those chicken nuggets and I want to eat that fucking Kraft macaroni and cheese. I like both. But I, I do lean more towards, I do have more of an adult taste now. And I'm not saying, like, oh, my palate's more refined and that's why I like Andor. That's not what I'm saying. Like, there's room to like both. I just like Andor a little bit more. So going back into The Mandalorian after seeing Andor, it was, it was, I feel like you, Joe. Like, and you talked about, like, I don't know if Mandalorian is going to be able to do it for me right now. Like, yeah, man, I have that thick dick of fucking Andor in me, man. You know, and it's like, man, I can't, I don't know if I can go back right now to Mandalorian (laughs) after I had the thick dick Andor. And I know a lot of people are listening to this and like, you guys are crazy and or fucking boring. And it's like, I, hey man, different strokes for different folks. Okay. I get it. I still enjoy the episode. I'm going to taste it. I don't know. I'm going to taste it. I think it was fine for first episode. I think we got to, you know, get a little bit deeper into this season. I, the whole thing with like, I thought it was ridiculous when he went, when they went to, uh, the, 
to where Bo Katan was, and she's just sitting in that chair. Like, is that yeah. what she is like? Is that what she does all day? How long yeah. she been sitting there? That was my thought too. Is like, what is what is Bo Katan doing on her average day? Because I'm assuming that some droid told her that Din Djarin is here, Miss. Yeah, and so she's like, oh, I gotta oh, go. I- I gotta go sit in my steel papasan and look really comfy with, yeah. my, with my new hairdo that he hasn't seen yet. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed the episode, um, but yeah, it's for me. Andor is. I'm more excited for Andor season two than I am anything that's going on in the Mandalorian. What's well, cool seeing a bunch of Mandalorians fighting at the beginning of the episode against that big. Uh, alligator creature that popped out oh, of the water. Yeah, and I got notes for, for where they're holding these ceremonies. It's like, come on, if it, it's, it's the Mandalorian's job to understand how to navigate the galaxy, how about you navigate to a place that doesn't have giant crocodile monsters yeah. where you're going to be doing your weird baptism ceremonies? Yeah. Oh, did you notice that the kid was fucking the Kimmel kid from Your Place yes. or Mine? Yeah. Yes, I thought that I was. I thought that was funny. I noticed that I was like, "Damn, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew's getting work all over." Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you want to do Star Wars this weekend, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Uncle Jimmy. No, he, thanks, Uncle Jimmy. With his lisp, <laughs> little Cindy Brady lisp over there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Dan, what'd you think about the Mandalorian season three? Yeah, so I enjoyed it, but I had this feeling when I was watching it that you would be thinking exactly what you told me. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Andor. I, I'm not a hater of Andor or anything like that. Yeah, yeah you it. are. Come no, on. I'm not. I will tell you exactly what I think of it. I just feel that it's – I didn't get the excitement that everyone else got from it. I thought it was a little bit dull, but I thought that it was an interesting story, and I thought I really liked where it ended up. I'm not the biggest fan of Gabriel Luna, but I'm not hating on the show. It just wasn't my thing. But going back to the Mandalorian, I kind of had the, even after you know not just being slightly invested in. Did Andor, you say it's Diego Luna, right? What did I say, Gabriel? You said oh, Gabriel, said Gabriel Luna. Luna. Yeah, Diego. I'm sorry. Diego, yeah, who the hell's Gabriel Luna? I'm forgetting. Gabriel Luna anyway. isn't Gabriel Luna. Wasn't he like Ghost Rider? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who it is. Sorry, Diego Luna. Thank you for the correction. Yep, and he's Tommy in Last of Us too. Yeah, yes, he is killing it on that. But um, anyway, I. I Felt that myself. Like I felt like it was like returning to this form of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a shock because it's like I got used to what Andor had, and then and then I came back into this. And for, I don't know if it was just me or not, but it seemed like it was like ultra cutesy this time around. Like they were really oh, playing to they. Th- they blow up the fuck. <laughs> they blow up the fucking alligator, and they land, and then little Grogu pops his head up. Hi, remember me? I'm cute. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they were going with something like when uh when IG it was IG eleven was uh attacking Grogu and then that assistant butler, whatever that was, that droid crashes that bus down and and crashes it and he's like, That's using your head. I was like, Okay, this is a little bit different than what it was last season. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And those kind of things bug me a little bit. But then again, it is a return to Star Wars for me. Yeah. And like we've established, yeah, this is definitely a franchise that's geared towards kids. And I have to, in my older age, I have to, you know, give myself that. I have to allow myself to know that that's who it's for and I'm taking what I can get. And I don't have to take it anymore if I don't want to. You know what I mean? That said, I'm fully invested in The Mandalorian. I'm fully invested in just that type of a Star Wars because that's what I grew up on. Uh, it's not to say that, you know, season two of Andor might come around and I'm like, I'm, what was I thinking? Because I've done that before. I've done that with several shows where I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. And now I'm, I'm into it. So hopefully that'll be the case. 
but I'm I'm fully going to watch this show. But I am a little worried now that what you guys just solidified for me is kind of like happening all over the place. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, this is something happened in between Andor and this that's making me feel different about the Star Wars franchise. I don't know, man. I think like if you're all in on the Mandalorian um, and you didn't like Andor, I think you're just like it's just like putting on a comfortable pair of slippers. Sure. Just yeah, like, it's more of the same. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the people like yourselves that are noticing like, oh, it doesn't feel the same as it did last season after. Andor. Yeah, I'm just, I, that definitely hit like I, I know it hit its mark because I just felt that immediately. And you guys, that was like the first thing you guys opened up with. So it makes sense. I think a lot of people are feeling that way. But but I think Joe made a great point, too. He said that it just felt like this for now because it's so fresh off of Andor that I think maybe once me and Joe maybe get a few more episodes into the Mandalorian will kind of just like, okay, this is where the story's going. We're into it. But, sure. Yeah. You get back into the group of things. No, because I, I love the Mandalorian. I love the Mandalorian season two. It's just it, fresh off Andor. Like for people that loved Andor, like this is just like kind of like a step back into like the more, you know, kitty version of Star Wars. Well, no, sure. it absolutely is. And, and also I feel like 100%. Something I didn't bring up before was that I feel like for the first two seasons of Mandalorian, we didn't see these showrunners make a misstep. And then they made a handful of missteps in the book of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for me, the the like the Vespa kids or whatever just seemed so out of place. They didn't even belong in that series. They didn't belong in that setting to me. They felt like something that would have been much more in tune with like a setting like Coruscant than, than rather having them on like this dusty desert planet where they're, they're dressed all fancy and got these shiny things. And in the way that they shot it in the volume, it just looked like shit. And then also having these key Mandalorian scenes in that season just felt strange. It, it really felt like it should have been season three Mandalorian stuff. And the way that, they jump right into this in Mandalorian season three. There's no explainers in the episode. So essentially the showrunners are saying, Hey, if you're confused, shame on you for not watching book of Boba Fett. If you heard bad things about it, Hey, too bad. There were some critical episodes in there that you really should have watched. Yes. And, and, and to me, just comparing that against Andor, the, the, all these things, it's like, I, I hadn't previously been shaken. I'm a little bit shaken a little bit trepidatious going into Mandalorian season three and then having this other just stellar thing to go against. And also key differences being too that Andor is definitely going somewhere. They Tony Gilroy has an end goal in sight that he's absolutely working towards. We're only going to get one more season of that show and then it's, it's done. Yeah. He's reached his, he's reached his, his goal. Whereas John Favreau has recently said that, Mandalorian's going to be more like Gunsmoke. There's no ending in sight. They're just going to keep doing this. And and to me, it's like, okay, I really loved Andor. It's very focused. It's It's got a much more real-world feel to it. Whereas now with Mandalorian, it's like, yeah, they're just going to keep doing this Adventure of the Week stuff, which is great. But it, it, at what point does your storytelling start to suffer? I, I think overall you need to have something that you're working towards. And if he's only doing that a season at a time, at what point does your show start to feel disjointed? Yeah. And, you know, it isn't that these are things that I'm seeing. These are just worries in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'd previously there, – there was no other good comparison. There was no other Star Wars TV show 
in live action that you could compare the Mandalorian to. And now there is something that you compare it against and it is different in several key ways. And it doesn't mean that the Mandalorian's bad. It doesn't mean that I dislike it. I'm st- still going to be watching it week to week. I'm still excited, but I've never been shaken before. I agree. Yeah. I- I'm still going to, I mean, I'm still going to be watching the Mandalorian. I still enjoy the show. Yeah, me too. I gave it a high tasted. I'm kind of leery with Disney sometimes because I'm not I'm teaching myself to not just accept everything that Disney gives us now. You know what I mean? Because I think that there's a little bit too much of that, like, say, even in the MCU. But uh, I'm hopeful for this. And I really I, I just love the show. I love the characters. I love the whole setting. And if it does feel a little bit childish, that's OK with me. You know, I I, I can lean into the the Grogu. Well, fucking I, here's the thing. People are going to be pissing and moaning because we're calling it childish. And they're just like, well, it's the same as fucking A New Hope. It's the same as fucking, you know, like because like. I mean, basically, like those were PG movies. They were, they, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. And I saw New Hope when I was like fucking seven. Exactly. It's different. I watched this at forty-two. You know, right. Different life experiences going Absolutely. into this. Exactly. So it's like I feel like I've grown up, and I feel like Andor was like that fucking, like, like that side, like that, like the dark side of the Star Wars that I hadn't seen. You know, um, the dark side of the Empire. Um, I thought it was kind of cool that they did that because it was like giving something to the older fans, something for them to chew on that actually, you know, you can sink your teeth into and think yeah. about week to week versus just seeing all the shiny, flashy lightsabers and, you know, Grogu's and shit like that. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, people Andor. bitch about people bitch like, oh, man, can't we get something without lightsabers? Can't we get something new with Star Wars? And they fucking did it here. And then they bitch about that. <laughs> It's too slow. <laughs> it's too slow. Nothing's happening. Ah, oh, god damn it! Jesus Christ! I don't know, Joe. Nobody, nobody can be happy. N- not even us, Joe. We get back to the Mandalorian, and we're not even happy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we've got a different perspective on it than we've ever we do. had before. As Star Wars fans, we're all fickle. Fickle that creatures. is true. Yeah. No, but Andor set a new bar, though. That's the thing. There's just absolutely nothing like it. Yeah. And that's why I think this is different than any other time. There's in the nothing like-, like it because it sucked. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for your insight, buddy. <laughs> surprise. Surprise you're not writing for the Huffington Post. Anyway, I'm. I don't know. Grief Karga, man. He kind of pissed me off this episode. I don't like the new was it high magistrate or whatever they're calling him right now and he's got his little fucking robots that carry his fucking cape, his robes his little yeah. robe behind oh he's starting God. to get a little bougie Ugh. i don't like i don't like this new grief carga man i don't like this what about new the grief- cutesy scene where he's he thinks he's translating for the i don't know what the, the little creatures are the little babu frick dudes oh yeah those guys yeah that whole scene <laughs> it was fun to see multiple of them and, and their interactions with grogu was adorable I but, like those guys. That was like my favorite part of the freaking movie. I was little, little Bobby I, I was mad at Grogu when he tried hugging him. <laughs> I was like, dude, that is so disrespectful. That exactly. Boundaries. Like, come on. Well, yeah, these guys, these are exactly. like they may be small, but like like in their world, like they're fucking professionals and they're men. They're little yeah. men. And he's they're waiting on their fucking agency. paycheck so they can bring it home to their little families and, yes. and this little little babies just picking, picking them, up. them up and hugging them like little dolls. I was pissed off at Grogu. 
Yeah, bad baby. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was a good episode. I I'll, I'll give it a taste. It I did enjoy it. Um, I just think it it what it felt very short though. You know, so it was did. it thirty it just thirty three minutes or something like that? Thirty seven, but a, a lot of it's credits. So yeah, yeah. I'll say Disney Plus credits are no joke. You're probably right about thirty three minutes, Dan. So yeah, got to get all that artwork. Yeah, I got to get all the artwork in there. Yeah, and you know, but there were parts of this that I really missed. Like I loved hearing that theme song again and seeing that artwork at the end, and you know, just living in this world with with this character is still great. But for me, it is still suffering by comparison. How disrespectful is it though to make a statue of IG Eleven and use his actual fucking robot parts? That's yeah, like just people in this world have got a very weird outlook on droids in general. Yeah, because for the most part, the way that they've portrayed droids and their personalities in this, it feels like legit AI. But then on the other side of it, it feels like this is enslaved AI. Where it's like, oh, we're going to fit you with a restraining bolt or or if we don't like you getting, you know, sharing your opinions and being afraid of this gunfight, we're going to just tell you to shut the fuck up and deal with it. And it's like me. So if, if It I w- is a little messed up when you start thinking hard on, on the whole droid situation. Well, if I went into war and I stepped on a landmine and, you know, they were able to, you know, scrounge up some pieces of me and then they fucking took those pieces and like, you know, fucking... <laughs> Fucking put me on this display. Is actual shattered femur. Yeah, it, like, it just made, they erected like some fucking statue of me, part statue, part of it like real me, and <laughs> and then it just like threw it up. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I thought it was weird. <laughs> anyway, it is it is curious that like some of the statues fake and some of it's like. Well, you know, we don't want to push our artists too hard yeah. and make them sculpt a whole robot here when we can just use some of the real thing. That is kind of weird. Yeah. It's just a robot, though, Brian. Settle down. I get it. I get it. <laughs> who, went, uh, who went to the theater and got to see Operation Fortune? Oh, I, I did. did. All right. Yeah. Uh, Elite Spy, Orson Fortune. What a great name. <laughs> yeah. Must track down and stop the sale of uh, deadly new weapons technology wielded by billionaire arms broker Greg Simmons. Reluctantly teamed up with some of the world's best operatives, Fortune and his crew recruit Hollywood's biggest movie star, Danny Francesco, to help them on their globe-trotting mission to save the world. It's It's a spy action comedy film directed by Guy Ritchie and written by uh, Ritchie. Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davies, and it stars uh, Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, Carrie Elwes, Bugsy Malone, and Hugh Grant. And, um, uh, you know, I'm going to be 100% transparent here. Like, I loved uh, Guy Ritchie's uh, first movie, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, yeah, dude. Loved it. One of my favorite fucking movies. Um, thought it was fantastic. And then uh, his movies, I, uh, everything after that, I was not a fan. Of, I wasn't a fan of Snatch. I know a lot of people love Snatch. I did not like Snatch, and I didn't. I didn't like any of his other movies after that until <laughs> until most recent. I did like his Aladdin. I, I'm not gonna lie, I did like it. But then I loved uh, Wrath of Man that came out in 2021, I yes. believe. 
uh, with Jason Statham and then also Josh Hartnett was in that as well. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie's fucking great. I loved it. And um, so I was like, oh, my God, I'm all on board with Guy Ritchie movies and a new Guy Ritchie movies out. I got to see this one. Um, and I'm not going to bury the lead. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, what'd you think? I mean, what did oh, you dude, think? This is my favorite thing. I watched this. Thank week. you. Me too. Uh, like I, I went into this, I, I saw this trailer like one time and, and my youngest son, Liam was like, are you going to see that in theater? I'm like, Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> like without a doubt, this looks so much fun. It's got a great cast and didn't see another trailer for it. Got the ticket, went and saw it and was just pleasantly surprised from beginning to end. I feel like this movie for me, it was a return to form for Guy Ritchie. Like, I loved Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Have Carol. you seen I, Wrath of Man? I loved the movie Snatch. Um, have you seen his movies after that? I, I I I wasn't so much into. Have you seen Wrath of Man? I haven't. And as soon as you brought that up and was saying you absolutely loved it, and you said Josh Harnett was in it also, I yeah. was I jotted it down. You've got to watch I'll, it, dude. It's that fucking movie is dope. Yo. It is, man. It's oh, fucking I'm, awesome. I'm excited to see it, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, but th- this movie was great, dude. It, it had. Great fucking action. Jason Statham has absolutely still got it as an action star. Yes. Um, Aubrey Plaza was so charming and so funny in this. And once they put a gun in her hand, man, she could pull off those action scenes. It was believable. Uh, Bugsy Malone was this just fantastic character that was coming in. And, and you know, uh, his character and Aubrey Plaza were both new to this team, and I felt like they were both just fantastic. And Carrie Ewells playing playing like their handler, who was doing everything, kind of the the official stuff with the government, and then coordinating with this team and the relationship that him and Jason Statham's character had, and with the rival outfit. But for me, the real show stealer in this was the relationship between Hugh Grant and Josh Hartnett. Yeah. I oh did my not god! Expect to see that coming. That's where the heart in this movie so comes good. from. Yes. Is the budding bromance between these two characters, and it absolutely culminates <sighs> in this fantastic like mid credit scene. So good. And and I I fucking loved this movie. This is something that I would I would spend my precious time during the week to go fucking see this in the theater again. Yeah. Because I don't know if I can wait the full amount of time for it to come out on digital to see it again. This, this movie surprised the shit out of me. I went into it thinking, ah, this has got some potential. I haven't really loved Guy Ritchie's stuff in a while. Yeah. I absolutely fucking love this movie. It's, it is a total Tupperware. It was my favorite thing we watched this week. Won't be surprised if, if I'm talking about this movie again, once we do the tuppies. Absolutely. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, beginning of next year. Wrath of Man came up for me when we did the Tuppies um, back in uh, 2021. I mean, it was a fantastic movie, Joe. I think you'll love it. Josh Hartnett was great. Josh Hartnett in this movie, uh, him and Hugh Grant, both scene stealers. Both. Oh, yeah. Absolute. Dan, thoughts on Operation Fortune? So when I went into this movie, I was not in the best mood. In other words, I just didn't really want to go to the movies. You know what I mean? I really wasn't in the mood to be there. So I was kind of fighting that whole mind frame. Dan's like, God damn it. Fuck it, Brian. You motherfucker. You're making me go to the theater twice. I saw Creed 3. I wanted to see that. was going to see that anyway. But now you're making me go back and watch this fucking Guy Ritchie movie. What the fuck, Brian? Well, not in so many words, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I know. I know. I know. When I put two theatrical movies on the list, it's not going to go over well with everybody. I got Regal Unlimited, baby. I'm not even worried about it. It's not all a right, problem. All right. So, yeah, no. So I went in and I'm not the biggest Guy Ritchie fan either. So uh, but I did really fucking love Wrath of Man. And that's what really brought me in is because Jason Statham really surprised me. Some of his movies are just kind of hit or miss. And I get bored with some of them, even though there's action going on all the time. I get oversensitive or like desensitized to it. You know what I mean? I I'm telling you, dude, within the last fucking couple movies that he's done, like I've got like this kind of like fucking uh, man crush on Tom Hardy. And uh, I've also now I've got kind of like a man crush on Jason Statham right now. I fucking yeah, I've love got the a man guy. Crushing on him too. I liked him in Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, I he was great in that. Yes, uh, but he's he's turned out to be a really fun action star. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie was just that. It was it was really fun. Like from beginning to end, it's funny. Everyone acts well together. Aubrey Plaza, who I love, but I also am willing to admit that she tends to just be kind of like an Aubrey Plaza in most of the movies that she's in, pulls this off magnificently. I think she's one of the one of the best parts of the movie. She's that quote unquote person in the chair and she's fantastic at it. She's got great lines. I do agree that Hugh Grant and Josh Hartnett are stealing the show in this. Uh, Hugh Grant was fantastic in this. He's another hit or miss for me, but I just loved him in this. He's doing like a great, like a, almost like a Michael Caine type accent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, did anyone notice, though, this was brought to my attention, but it's undeniable once you're aware of it, that there is a similarity in the story arc between Josh Hartnett and Hugh Grant with the unbearable weight of massive talent. Hmm. I mean, you know, not yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, similar. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's taking notes on him. He's he's trying to figure out for his next role and everything like that. Yeah. At least that's what uh, Greg, the character, thinks. Uh, didn't take away from the movie at all for me. Yeah. I ended up just coming out of that one and walking into Creed with a big ass smile on my face because I loved it from beginning to end. And I would love to see a sequel with them. I think I yes. like that team. They've and done I love a good night out. Yeah. And even though this wasn't like technically like a heist sequel or excuse me, a heist movie. Uh, it did feel heisty like that. I like that type of a team thing. And I think they just work so well together that I would love to see them come back and add someone else into the mix. I agree, man. I, I really like this team quite a bit. Uh, it's uh, the, the movie starts with the, these Ukrainian mobsters and they steal this device called the handle. We don't know what it is. It's 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 billions of dollars of whatever. We have no idea what it is. So a lot of the movie is just like wondering what the fuck was stolen at the beginning of this movie. And it's you've got two different teams that are trying to compete against each other to find to get their hands on whatever this device is. And one team is led by, what was his name? Mike, Mike, Peter. Fernando. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just seeing these two groups go up against each other and then, and then, and then they have to incorporate Josh Hartnett's character of Danny Francesco, the actor to get in the door to talk to Greg Simmons played by Hugh Grant, the guy who's kind of like brokering this deal. And just to see Josh Hartnett, it's so funny because like he's kind of like a Tom Cruise type actor that like takes pride in doing like his stunts and all his driving and shit like that. And then, and then he's like, he's really getting off on the fact that he's going to be playing like the, like 
you're going to be playing the role of a lifetime. You're going to be playing yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the way that his journey to accepting that and working with it along the way and how it starts, uh, how it is in the middle, how it culminates. Yeah. It's an entire fucking storyline in itself in the way that it plays off with Hugh Grant and the interactions with Aubrey Plaza thrown in the mix. Also, it's just a fucking wonderful thing. And, and something that I just thought of while you guys were talking, when we we're thinking of this Mike character, yeah. and we know that Carrie Eels is in this movie too, he essentially played the Mike character in the movie Twister, where it's very similar to this and that it's this rival outfit that is more, they've got better funding, they've got more people, they got fancier gear, and they're sneaking in and stealing the glory at the last minute. And that's kind of just a curious oh, parallel shit. I thought of. I never thought of that, man. You know, oh, God, that's another movie with fucking, um, with uh, Bill Paxson, man. Seeing Titanic yeah. again with the the late, great Bill Paxson. Yes, I forgot that he was in that. God that's right, he plays the, the guy that's running the whole thing at the beginning and end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, what a, what a fucking loss, man. Bill Paxson, that right? That was, dude. He died far too young. It, can you imagine the alternate reality where we live, where, where he didn't die of that. And, and we got to see him still doing movies this day and age. I mean, that guy I felt like was just getting better with age. I don't know if you've ever watched big love on HBO, but God damn. Was no, I should that. watch that now because I love Bill Paxson. That's a Bill Paxson thing that I haven't seen. Dude, that, that, that show will set its hooks in you and you'll be texting me going, God damn, you weren't fucking kidding about big love, dude. I'm obsessed with this show. Awesome. Yeah, man. I love Bill Paxson, dude. Like, I love, uh, you know, like Cameron, that was, he was one of Cameron's guys, man. Yeah. You know, Titanic yeah. and, but I mean, even before Titanic, like he played yeah, one of the fucking Terminator Terminator. He played one of the punks aliens. and then aliens. Yeah, absolutely, yep. man. Fucking, I still love him in weird science. I don't give a fuck. Chat the shit monster. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Operation Fortune, please do yourself a favor. If you've seen Quantum Mania, if you've seen Creed 3 and you have a fucking Regal Pass or an AMC or a Movie Pass or something like that and you're looking for something else to watch. And yeah, maybe you've been burned on fucking Guy Ritchie movies and you're just like, man, I don't, I don't dig Guy Ritchie movies. You will dig this fucking movie. It is yeah. fucking excellent. Joe, it is my favorite thing that we watched this week. Yeah, dude. And and well-deserved. Guy Ritchie has really turned a corner with this one. I hope this is the start of a franchise because he definitely leaves this open-ended yes. to where we can get more with with this team going forward. And yeah. I hope we do because I think he's really struck gold with this. Did you guys get a chance to see Plane? Yeah, sure did. I did not. I told you why, but I wasn't able to get that one. So no worries. Uh, pilot Brody Torrance saves passengers from a lightning strike by making a risky landing on a war-torn island, only to find that surviving the landing was just the beginning. When dangerous rebels take most of the passengers hostage, the only person Torrance can count on for help is Louis Gaspari, an accused murderer who is being transported by the FBI. Uh, it's directed by Jean-Francois Richet from a screenplay by Charles Cumming and J.P. Davis. Uh, it stars Gerard Butler, Mike Coulter, uh, Yosanan, and Tony Goldwyn. And, uh, yeah, so basically this movie starts with uh, a pilot, Brody Torrance, played by Gerard Butler. Uh, and he's uh, flying 
14 passengers and uh, three cabin crew members from Singapore to Honolulu via Tokyo. And uh, one of the passengers is a uh, a fugitive, a homicide suspect played by Mike Coulter, uh, Louis Gaspari. And uh, they uh, run into they get they get word that uh, there's going to be a storm and. He's like, well, let's maybe we should. uh, He's like, maybe we should take this route. And the guy's like, ah, we could save $12,000 worth of fuel if we just, you know, uh, stay above the storm, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the fucking, the the storm hits the, the plane, lightning hits it, and they have to make this landing. And they're basically, they land on this war torn island that is run basically by fucking mercenaries and shit. And, uh, now they're, uh, fighting for their lives and struggling to get out. And Joe, this has already been greenlit for a fucking sequel. I saw that. I saw that. It's going to be like a cargo ship on the next one. I thought it was fun. What'd you think? Okay. So I've seen the trailer for this movie countless times in the theater. And once it came out to when it released, it was like playing Russian roulette with good pop, bad pop every week. It's like, am I going to have to go see this fucking plane? <laughs> With this fucking trailer that I've sat through so many times, been not impressed by. I feel like the trailer showed me every beat. Call me a dick. I'm just not that impressed with Gerard Butler as an action star. I loved Michael Coulter as uh, Come on. as Luke Cage. You didn't like 300, dude. 300 was amazing, but that was fucking ages ago. Come on. <laughs> Now he's doing these Greenland has fallen fucking movies. Greenland was awesome. Shut the fuck up. Take it back. I I know. And I know you liked it. And that's why I worked it in there. You motherfucker. (laughs) You're just trying to wind me up. You son of a bitch. Greenland was awesome. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, dude, I watched this movie and it's, it's slow to start. Yeah, it's it's going. I mean, the trailer lays out all the beats to this. And so it's like, OK, they're going to get in the plane. They're going to get up there. There's going to be a storm. They're going to crash they're gonna get taken hostage by the militia pilot and prisoner are going to team up and they're going to save the day. I'm not giving anything away. The fucking trailer told you all that shit. Regardless of all that, I went into this movie and by the end of it, I was like, this was fucking awesome. I can't wait for the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) This movie totally worked for me. Apparently, I've reached that age where these dad action flicks totally fucking work on me because preposterously, I went into this being like, fuck this movie. Oh, it's finally happened. The bullets in the chamber. I have to watch this movie for the good pop, bad pop. Fucking loved it. This was shockingly a Tupperware for me. It was like, this movie fucking worked. Um, and, and, and even afterwards, when I was finished, it, I was like, God damn, there's a Tupperware. I should have seen that in the theater. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, dude. This was one of those ones where when it showed up, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. It's even got a dumb name, Plane. <laughs> It's a stupid name. The trailer gave everything away. Gone. Not into it. Ended up fucking loving it. Who to thunk, my friend? But this was this was a very fun movie. Yeah, it, it, it's got a little bit of a slow start, but once it gets going, it fucking goes. Yeah, and there's no real slump on it. Lots of great action. 
Mike Coulter with a sledgehammer in his hand. Fuck yeah, dude! dude they're fucking. fucking they don't hold back. They kill. They they fucking kill. Oh. They kill civilians, oh. man. They don't hold back on nothing on this. And then and then when when the friendlies show up and giving them backup, these motherfuckers show up with a Barrett fifty caliber rifle. Yeah, and they show us what a Barrett fifty caliber rifle at close range. Dude, in. dude. Dude, it's fuck. They're sh- they've got guys. Huh? Dan, listen to this. They got guys. They got fucking. They've got these guys hiding behind fucking trucks and shit, right? Yeah. This is fucking like armor piercing bullets that are just fucking going through trucks and knocking motherfuckers out. Yeah. It dude, is dude, wild. Okay. Like, put all your fingers together and look at how big your hand is from the base of your palm to the tip of your middle finger. That's about how long a 50 caliber cartridge is. That's fucking big. That'll do the big. job for sure. There's like a Canadian sniper that holds the world record for like fucking taking somebody out at like a mile and a half to two miles away with one of those rifles. And these are mercenaries using them at close range. It's wow. fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, I'm incredible. bummed that I didn't get like, to watch As soon this as they one. pulled that out, I like the, the gun enthusiast in me was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're seeing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I dug this movie quite a bit. I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, um, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to I'm giving it a Tupperware, too. I loved it. man. <laughs> I love it. I, I really it, liked it. I liked it a lot. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, I, I did you watch Greenland? No, I haven't watched it. It's yet. good. Ever since you first talked about it, I was like, oh, I should probably see this one because you gave it glowing reviews. Yeah. 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 Oh, and I looked up Wrath the Man also, and it's streaming on Prime Video and Paramount Plus right now. So watch for it, sure man. I'll be watching that soon. Watch that shit. It's fucking really good. You'll I'll see love where it. Greenland's at too. Yeah, you should watch Greenland. Oh yeah, dude! Greenland is uh, streaming on HBO Max right now. There you go. So both of these, both of these other movies that you know weren't on the list, but coming highly recommended, easy, easily accessible. They're fun. Pl- I mean, I wish I would have seen Plane in the theater now too, Joe. I know. Did, what were your thoughts when you were just seeing the trailer? Because for sure you had to have seen that trailer a million times as well. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I was just like, uh, it's just one of those fucking, it's just one of those Gerard Butler movies that's gonna be, you know. I don't know. It's just going to be a cookie cutter movie. And yep, that's you're, exactly you're what I thought right so. about that. He does make those cookie cutter movies, but for some reason, I don't mind it so much. With yeah. Butler. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I was talking, uh, Connor from cinefight.com like messaged me. No, no, I think we were talking. I think we were at like the, uh, I think we were at quantum mania premiere or something like that. I, or he maybe he messaged me. I can't remember. He's like, I'm really looking forward to, fucking plane he's like it's just a guilty pleasure for me these fucking gerard butler action movies and he wasn't wrong it was a lot of fun i dug it yeah it sure was this movie surprised the hell out of me and made me realize i need to (laughs) not always go with that knee-jerk reaction on this stuff because the amount of times i've been proven wrong by stuff that's shown up on the good pop bad pop list and I drug my feet into it and ended up loving it. It's like, I need to leave these preconceived notions at the fucking door. <laughs> uh, well, you know, sometimes things can surprise you. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're, they don't. Sometimes they're just cramp. But that's what we're here for, Joe. We're here to let people know what the cramp is. I don't want to give these people 
uh, the wrong idea when it comes to shit. You know what I mean? I want to make sure yeah. that they know. No, I totally agree. What they're getting into. I want to, you know, I'm trying to save them time from fucking or spending their hard earned dollars on some bullshit. <laughs> That's right. Let us take the hit for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why me and Joe watch Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's, you know what I mean? <laughs> if we watched it so you don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for taking the hit for me. I appreciate that. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you finish saving the world, uh, this is a movie that, j- that was in theaters recently. Uh, a mother and her teenage son can't seem to connect, yet they try to find that bond in other people. She latches on to a young boy she meets at her woman's shelter while her son falls in love with an extremely political student at his school. This is written and directed by Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it's uh, based on Eisenberg's 2020 audio drama of the same name. Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard star as mother and son who navigate their contentious relationship. Apparently, Jesse Eisenberg played a character of Nathan Katz in the audio uh, drama version of this story. Um, Dan, did you get a chance to see this one? I'm sorry. Same reason for this one, but no, no, I did not. No sweat. Uh, Joe, what did you think about when you finished Saving the World? Yeah, tell us a little bit about this movie and what you thought about it. Okay, yeah, this is... This is kind of a slice of life movie. This is an A24 film and it is this woman works in this women's outreach facility. Julie um Julianne Moore works in this women's outreach facility and she's very wrapped up with her career and she doesn't understand her teenage son who's really into music and playing the guitar. He's obsessed with this live stream channel he has. And he will tell anybody within earshot that he has 20,000 followers <laughs> and that it's what is it? What's he always say? Tara cool, something like that. And uh, the, this movie, it's it, it the majority of this movie to me, it's it's built as like a comedy. And I didn't see where the comedy was in this at all, because to me, this movie just felt like a real tragedy. Um, and it's it's between this mother and this son just not connecting at all and with the mother not understanding that when you have a teenage when you have a teenage child you've you've got to make the effort to take that step forward and try and open yourself up to understanding the world that your kid is in and the way that he views it because if you just come in with this expectation that oh my kid is going to be able to have an adult conversation with me it's it's never going to happen and you're never going to have any sort of connection with your kid and and to me, this was essentially a movie about two narcissists that are in the same family, living under the same roof and not getting along at all because they're both wholly focused on their own shit. And for me, that's acceptable from a teenager because they don't have the world experience. They don't have the they don't have the life experience that it's it's acceptable in a way for a teenager to be a narcissist and and think that their view on the world is correct it's it's much less acceptable when it's an adult and that's the way they're treating their child and so for me with this it was like i didn't like either the main characters the the characters they portrayed the their performances in this were fucking fantastic finn wolfhard was great uh julianne moore was great everybody the the insular characters everybody everyone was very believable in what they were doing but for me, it was just it was hard watching these characters 
obliviously go through their life and miss the mark. And that's the whole point of this movie is to get you to the third act when when there is this hope of reconciliation. And this movie just the the cringiness of it just builds and builds and builds in in telling these two stories simultaneously, because while Finn Wolfhard's character is has this, you know, growing love infatuation with this girl at school who couldn't be more different than him and is far more mature has a much better grasp on on the world around her. Whereas Finn Wolfhard's character is just so much more self-obsessed. Every time he talks to anybody, he talks about his live stream and how many views he has and how much money he makes off of it. And it's just from an adult point of view, it's just hard to watch somebody make those mistakes and step into those pitfalls and just make an ass of themselves this way. But it's acceptable with a teenager, whereas from the mother's side, she wants to connect with her son. She's not connecting with her son. And instead, she starts to forge this connection with a, a son of a woman who's who's in her her clinic, this this woman and her son who are fu- fleeing this abusive relationship with the father. And so they're staying there. And Julianne Moore's character starts seeing these qualities in the son that she wished that her own son had. And so she finds herself gravitating towards wanting to help this kid out where this kid has not asked for help at all. This kid is is totally fine with just taking the trajectory that his life is on right now. He works weekends. He works with his father. Sure, his father is abusive to the mother or whatever, but the son's still got an okay relationship with the dad. The dad owns an auto shop. The kid fixes cars there. He's quite proud of the work that, that he can do. He's he's already you know, doing car repairs that are way over his, his age range for what he can do. So this kid's got a knack for mechanical things. But Julianne Moore is like almost looking down on that and thinking, no, you've got to do you got to go to college and do something respectable. And she's not she's basically doing the same thing with this kid that she's doing with her own kid, which is not listening and just plowing ahead. Whereas it seems like she's given up on her kid. This kid, this new kid is the one that she's pinning all her hopes on. And all the way up into the third act, when everything inevitably train wrecks on on both sides of the storyline, this whole movie was just very hard to watch. But I think that's the point of this movie. It's the way that it's written. These characters are meant to be tragic up to a point and then give you a little bit of hope at the end, which which they do do. But for me, this was just it's it's not really it's not the slice, slice of life that, that I like to sit back and watch. Um, technically, there was nothing wrong with this movie. I think Jesse Eisenberg did a great job writing it, directing it. It's shot well. It's performed really well. It's just not my cup of tea. So at the end of the day, there's nothing technically wrong with this movie. It's just for me personally, with my own tastes, this is a this is just a taste it. Yeah, I'm going to taste it as well in this one. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, <sighs> you've got it was yeah, hard to watch at times. It was hard to watch at times. I I don't know. I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts on this. I just have a hard time articulating it. Like the mother, the mother was driving me absolutely crazy that she was basically transferring all of her, you know, feelings and things like that for her son and trying to like, kind of like put them on this other kid who is basically on a life track to be a mechanic. And she's, 
forcing him to like, oh, you could get you could get like these, you know, scholarships and these grants or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And putting like this kid's going through enough with his mother being like physically and emotionally abused yep. by her husband. Absolutely. This and, kid's already got far too much on his shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. While n- neglecting her own child, who's like, you know, and honestly, like, what I didn't like about, like, okay, this, the, 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 the Finn Wolfhard character of Ziggy, he performs like these original folk songs on like this kind of like Twitch channel. And he's got 20,000 followers and they like what he does and they, 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 donate to him they give him money and things like that they like what he does he puts them in a good mood and then he falls like head over heels for this girl at school who's very political and she feels that what he does is just like it's not making a difference it's very vapid and bubblegum and bullshit and that you know basically what she's doing is like you know, more important. And I'm not saying that what she believes in is not important, but on the flip side, sometimes people just need a fucking escape. Oh, without a doubt that when he, when he's first describing his channel to her and he's like, no, this is just an escape from all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, dude, no, that's totally valid. You're why the fuck lighthearted, happy music. Like, I don't want to fucking talk about politics on this fucking podcast. And there's a reason It's a fucking escape. I don't want to fucking bring... You get all that shit. If you want to fucking read and hear about that fucking shit, then you fucking go on Twitter or you go on Facebook or whatever, and then you can find it. I just want to be an escape from that. I don't fucking read... Seriously, like, I don't want to... Oh, God. I don't want to fucking bring all that shit up on this podcast. I want this to be an escape for people. Um... I, I don't like fucking this, this fucking, uh, this, this fucking divide that people have. I, 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 that it's like you, I just wish, I just like, like if people fucking love Marvel movies or if people love DC movies, if people love movies and TV, I just, I want them to be able to just listen to people talk about it on this podcast and not feel like, like, uh, well, I can't listen to this podcast because they fucking lean this way or they lean that way or whatever. And it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how how me and Joe lean one way or, or the other. It's just like, if you come, I don't want to trick you into listening to this podcast and I have to listen to me and Joe's bullshit political <laughs> views on stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? We're here to talk about movie and TV. Yeah. Like. Like those are entirely different conversations. It's it's much easier to fall back to the old rules of the of the bar. You know, you don't bring up religion or politics and let's just have nice, friendly conversations. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, we are we're here to talk about movie and TVs and tell you what shit that's new is worth watching. You you're not here. This this isn't fucking C-SPAN. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to hear my fucking political views on, yeah, on yeah, shit? When it comes down to it's like. I don't pay attention to that shit. My views are going to be all emotionally based and that's stupid. <laughs> I have, well, I see with that. I haven't devoted my life to like fucking politics and shit like that. And you know what I mean? So it's like my views at the end of the day, don't mean fucking shit to anybody. Yep, like I can, exactly. I can talk to you about personal experience, human experience, 
I can talk to you about, you know, personal and human experience. And I can, like, if somebody reached out to me and said, like, hey, I'm going through this, you know, like, you know, what's your advice? You know, if somebody asked me for advice, like life advice, I'd be happy to, you know, because, like, I've been there. I've been, you know, I've, 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 you know, in my 45 years on this fucking earth, I've, I've, I've lived through some fucking shit. And I can give you my advice and I can keep my fucking politics out of it. I can give you that human fucking advice. And it doesn't matter if you're fucking left, right, whatever the fuck. I can give you advice. So, like, watching this fucking, this character of Ziggy and he's fucking doing these original folk songs that just fucking, you know, whatever these public, whatever these people are fucking dealing with in their fucking lives, it's, it's, they don't have to focus on the bullshit that they're going through. His songs are just making them feel good. And so yeah. it, it frustrated me. Like, I don't, I don't have anything against this fucking girl. But on the flip side, to make him feel like he's less of an influence to these people because he's not talking about certain issues, it didn't sit well with me. And it may, I, and it's not like she's changing the fucking world reading a poem to a bunch of people in a fucking room anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and that goes down to where... At the end of the day, these are all high school kids. Yeah. And, and me being the, the cynical 40-year-old, I'm like, eh, what non-thoughts do these fucking teenagers exactly, have yeah. about this sort of shit that, that they're going to rent public space and then have a poetry slam right. about this shit? It's like, ugh, gag me with a spoon. But but I, I, I think that those characters are written that way because – we got our main character, Ziggy, here, with, played by Finn Wolfhard, that is – he's clueless in his own way. And these other kids are clueless in their own way. But what a teenager thing to to be absolutely clueless, but think that that you've got a, a handle on what's going on in the world. Where it's like, dude, you haven't started paying a mortgage. Yeah. You haven't paid taxes. You haven't ground out a nine-to-five that you fucking hate for 40 years, but you know you can't fucking quit. Like, get out of here with that. You don't even know misery yet, my friend. <laughs> no shit. God damn it. Joe, would you want to be a fucking teenager in fucking 20, in 2023? No. No. Dude, thank God there's no social media footprint of how what a moron I was in the late 90s. Right. Oh my god. I, hey, my my goodness. I thank, fucking thank God. There's no fucking selfie videos. Yeah. There's there's no me on a podcast giving my non thoughts from the nineties. Oh. I well. I even look cringe. at myself. I even look at myself from like fifteen years ago and how different I was fifteen years ago to to who I am today. Yeah. You know. Without a doubt. And and if you are any sort of growing person. I hope that you're very different now than you were 15 years ago because that means you're evolving. That's what, that, that means that you're living life and, and you're you're yeah. growing and you're adjusting to the curveballs that life throws at you. If you can go through years and decades of your life and be static, then then either you're doing something very right or you're not living at all. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I think like everybody changes. I think we all – like like they say the rule is like every seven years you kind of change. I think that's kind of like why the divorce rate is so high because people change. You know, it's like who you are. So you get married at 23. You're going to be a different person at 30. They could be a different person at 30. And it's like who the fuck did I marry? 
No, that's absolutely spot on because if if those growth trajectories are different and those paths diverge enough, yeah, you're no longer compatible. That's why, and, Joe. That's why I. That's why. That's why I travel light when it comes to relationships. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm 45 and I've only been married once and I have no kids. It's because it's like, oh Jesus Christ, that's that's a that's a commitment. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's crazy though. Dan, you know, you're fucking you're the elder statesman on this podcast right now. You know? You've it takes been, a little bit of work. Man. Yeah. It takes you, a little bit of work to make that shit happen. And it's not easy. And anybody that's on Facebook talking about how wonderful their fucking life is all the time, it's all bullshit. It's all it bullshit. We have, we have those it's, we have those wonderful moments. I, I love my wife. I she's my best friend and we have a fucking blast together. But there are times where we just wanna, you know not be near each other sometimes yeah. that's the way it works you, you're not yep. gonna and that's normal yeah you're not gonna tolerate someone by like for 20 and in my case 26 years 30 together where we're just around each other all the fucking time there's gonna be times where we say some shit that's going to go awry you know what i mean and that we're gonna disagree with but yeah i i, I trip out all the people that are just like oh it's, it's everything's perfect no it's not true. Yeah, well, you're, you're just yourself. showing us the snapshots of your life that you want us to fucking see. That's all you're doing. Look yeah, that. that's all social media it is. is yeah, because is the, the the truth of life is that it is a series of ups and downs and and learning moments. And this movie, if nothing else, does a very good job of of illustrating that yeah. and and getting down into the down and dirty of. The imperfections that that people have, because nobody in the world is a perfect person. There's no perfect parent out there. And and we just see mistakes being made on on both sides of that relationship in this movie. Yeah. And it really explores that. It's a you know, it's nothing I would ever like die to watch again. And I think Jesse Eisenberg has uh, he's a talented writer. Um, but uh yeah, it, I don't know, man. I just didn't leave this movie feeling uplifted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Did, but does a movie always have to do that, Joe? Taste it for me. Does a movie? Oh, what's that? Does a movie always have to do that? Does a movie always have to leave you uplifted? Um, no, it definitely you saw doesn't. Spoiler have alert, to. bro. Oh, I know. I saw spoiler. I listened to your review on spoiler alert, Dan. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, to answer your question, that's not the case. <laughs> All movies don't need to be uplifting. I, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Dan was talking. I was listening to Dan's episode of The Hero of Noise when he was reviewing Spoiler Alert. And that was a movie that I reviewed on the podcast. I was the only one that seen it on on the episode. Um, and, uh, Dan, to let you know, when I saw that movie, I, I watched it. And there was only, like, four people in the theater. Um, and... Uh, I was in the back of the theater and out of like the eyesight of everybody and I was fucking crying. Okay, so I, I'd hate to get you off of the subject of good pop, bad pop, but since we're talking about it, like it's not just normal fucking crying with this movie, right? No, it's like fucking full on fucking like you're balling and shit, dude. Oh my God. I was fucking... Incredible movie. Incredible yeah. movie, but literally probably the saddest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I was fucking like if you just need a good cry... Watch spoiler alert with, oh my God, I was fucking bawling. Dude, just, just the trailers for that one were, were destroying me. And, and that, that was another one of those ones where it's like, dude, if it shows up on a list, 
there's gonna be a lot of fucking tears because I'm gonna watch it. I like to feel um, I like to feel something when I'm watching a movie, Joe. And sometimes I need a good cry because I fucking I I I I, I can be very pent up with my emotions and not let my emotions out. See, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I'm a a very very <laughs> empathetic person. Like like do you remember around Christmas time? before movies and there was playing that that chevy commercial in the theaters with with the the older black lady and she's got that that station wagon and it shows her getting married and her and her husband are moving into the house they got the station wagon and then he obviously dies in a war because she's got like a box of knickknacks with like a what flag the fuck commercial is this dude yeah, that fucked me up too i've never you know, seen oh, it no this commercial it's it's like showing this like station wagon through the ages with this woman living in this neighborhood and like there's a kid playing baseball down the street and he yeah. hits the car with a ball and so then she starts showing the kid how to do oil changes and then there's another flash forward where this woman's in a parking lot she can't get the car to start and now this neighborhood kid is now an adult and he's got a family of his own and he invites this lady over for christmas and so she doesn't have a family of her own and so now he her family is now the neighborhood that she grew up in in this kid and he's fixed her car the first time i saw that trailer i was fucking bawling and it's and like, I was like oh yeah buy a- chevy yeah, I'm like, this is a Chevy commercial that affected me this much. So when I they're good like, cars, Dan. Alert. They're really good fucking Chevys cars. are really good cars. I'm a Chevy guy. I'm not a Ford guy. <laughs> Fuck Fords. I had a fucking Ford and it was a piece of shit. So, so basically, suffice to say, like emotionally touching storylines work on me very easily. Yeah. And so when you get a very powerful one, like from what you guys are saying with spoiler alert. Yeah. That's it's a hard movie for me to watch. Like uh, I'm going to like be hardcore, like snot crying with it. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, as I get older, this is happening more as I get older that I, I do cry more at movies. But this one fucked me up. Like, like dude, I, I can't I, even I just begin tell by to the explain. trailers. I I could just tell by the trailers, Dan. I was like, yeah. that movie would would destroy me because yeah. it's a tragic love story. And it what is, is more? So what is more beautiful than than two people finding each other and and forging that deep connection and and cre- in finding love in this fucking world and then to go on that journey with them and 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 feel that connection with them and then see them lose see, see them lose that and one of them have to keep going on without it I have fucking tears in my eyes just describing the scenario, and I've not even seen the fucking movie. Yeah, that I, I, that's a movie that I'm going to have to stay away from because I would, would – I, I can work myself up and cry over a scenario like that, too. See, I need, I, need to, I, need fuck, I need the reminder that I'm a human being, so I need to watch this kind of shit so I can fucking cry. <laughs> because I pen it, I pen up all my emotions. Like I, you know, I've gone through some shit in my life, and I, I have my, I keep my emotions pretty close to the chest. Like if somebody asks me, like somebody will ask me, "Hey man, you doing okay?" And I'll be like, "Dude, I could be going through like the worst shit," and I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to bring people into the thick of my bullshit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get it. And so I, I pen up all my fucking emotions and shit. Like people listen to me on the podcast and they hear like me joking around, and they having a good time. But you don't know, like people don't know like what I go through. You know what I mean? People don't know what I've been through in my life. People don't know how I feel. 
Like I, like I, I, I try to want to like, like we were talking about making this an escape for people. Like I like to make this an escape for people. I don't want to get on here and be like, oh my god, you wouldn't believe the bullshit I went through this week. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like just me getting on here, fucking like crying and bitching about how how you know whatever in my life is going on and how much it sucks and shit. So it's like sometimes like I'll use these like movies like spoiler alert. For like an like kind of like a like a, a reason to get like all those fucking emotions out and just be like like yeah it was this movie but now I'm crying about my own existence on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never find a love like that. <laughs> just I remember using these movies as springboards to open up your emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember one time I was writing this scene and I was writing this character's backstory and he had a very, very tragic, sad backstory with losing his parents and shit like that. And then I'm in the midst of writing this and all of a sudden I hear my wife call that supper's ready. And so I just stop in the middle of writing this very emotional scene and I go out and sit at the table and it's still going in my head and I'm like trying to eat a burger and I just got tears streaming down my face and my kid's looking across the table and he's like, are you Okay. And I'm like, I'm I'm fine. This has nothing to do with anything with real people. <laughs> like they're real to me in my head, and it's enough. But and and so, then yeah, your, your, your I, I child can, looks I can dip into those wells pretty easily. Your child looks at you and says, "You're the male figure in my life." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> You're gonna teach me how to survive. I can also teach him how to how to hunt game and gut it. So <laughs> I'm also in touch with my emotions. Yeah, I'm a that's it. man, Brian. You are. You you are you are the quintessential man, Joe. <laughs> you are. You're like what I strive to be. You're 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 never I will never be Joe Stark. Ever. Ever. I uh, never. Like I always I try to come off like manly, you know? But I I'm really I'm more of an indoor boy, you know what I mean? And then, <laughs> yeah. Joe, you're like Mr. Out-fucking-doors, but you're also in touch with your emotions and shit. I am not at all, at all in touch with my emotions and shit. So, yeah, Joe, you're you're a fucking, you're an inspiration, goddammit. <laughs> you're what I, you're, you're what I want to be, which what, you're never, I will never be you, though. God damn it, Joe. God damn it. What? I need to, you know, like, they, like, I need to fucking, like, like, that, the, what would Joe do? I need that fucking bumper sticker. Yeah. What would Joe do? I need to live my life as Joe Stark. I need to, that's what I need what, to do. What is the boring and morally acceptable choice that's in, and very risk free? That's what Joe would do. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's. Low stakes. But you know, you you have a. I think you have a satisfying life, Joe. Oh like, no, absolutely. You would not like Joe. You would not want to live the life of 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 leftover Brian. <laughs> this would this would. <laughs> <laughs> it is a sad existence, man. Hey, dude, you've got abs. So it's, no, quite a it doesn't. It is not. None of it is what those it, abs are working for you. I think, it, dude. I I am going. To, I am. I am like. I I I hit my peak years ago. I am on the decline, bro. And it is not getting. <laughs> it, things are not going to get better for me. 
<laughs> Joe, man, I would, yeah, uh, Jesus Christ, man, you got, you got the life, man. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah. Nobody wants what I'm, <laughs> nobody wants what I'm going through. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh, what are we, what are we talking about now? Colombian, did you guys watch Colombian hippo invasion? <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought this was going to be. I didn't know this was a National Geographic's National Geographic investigates Colombia hippo invasion. I've always been kind of obsessed with this uh, Colombian hippo thing. It's it. Pablo Escobar was obsessed with uh, when Pablo Escobar was at like the height of his like drugs. Uh, drug smuggling, cocaine, and all that shit. He fucking, uh, you know, he he brought in a bunch of animals onto his property, um, like hippos and giraffes and lions and all this shit. And I knew that there was like a like an outbreak of like these fucking hippos after they after he was gunned down and killed. That that the hip that, that like. These hippos had like kind of like invaded Colombia. I knew about this, and I've always been kind of obsessed with it. I didn't know that this was a National Geographic investigates, but I'm still glad I watched it. It was, um, um, it's a docu, it's a docu series of National Geographic, but th- this was like a 45 minute kind of like they focused on the fact that. Um, these hippos that were brought in there have kind of like taken up space in, in Colombia and, and they're spreading out and they're dangerous. And, um, I was, they can thrive in this, in this environment. And it's scary. Like they introduce a guy who was attacked by a fucking hippo and like hippos are mean. I did not know this when I was a kid because fucking Disney made me think that like they were just ballerinas. And then <laughs> right? we had a game called Hungry Hungry Hippos and I thought that they were cute. And, you know, they look like fucking like if a manatee fucked a cow. And manatees are sweet, you know? I thought that, I thought, I always thought hippos were sweet when I was a child. It was well into my adulthood, Joe, that I found out that hippos are assholes. Oh, absolutely, dude. Smelly assholes at that. I don't know if you've ever seen these things in a zoo. I have. I have. I've seen them at a zoo. I, I saw them at, uh, I think I, I was at a, I've seen them at a zoo and I, I, I was at a Bush Gardens. I think they got some hippos there too. Um, but uh man they're fucking they're fucking like little fucking tanks and they're, they're super aggressive super ferocious and fast. they do not they're very territorial and yeah. they attack boats they attack <laughs> boats yeah, that's the crazy boats. part and they can it's fucking the, run at 30 miles per hour yeah and for something that weighs something like 6000 pounds when it's fully grown it's terrifying yeah oh my god um they're they're the most dangerous animal in in africa they're responsible for something like three thousand deaths per year so when when you think of dangerous animals in africa you might be thinking like giant crocodiles yeah maybe lions hyenas shit like that no it's it's fucking hippos and they killed jack black in the fucking uh jumanji movie (laughs) 
<laughs> These things don't fuck, they don't fuck around. Hey, Joe, who would win? Mano y mano, a hippo or a moose? The hippo is probably going to win that. You think a hippo is going to beat a moose? Yeah, I think a hippo's probably got twice the weight on it, and they're the dude. Oh, of course, I just closed that. They they got like a bite pressure of something like three thousand psi or something like that. They could take chunks out of that fucking hippo or out of that moose. Yeah, Dan, what are you thinking? A hippo or a moose, man? Like a fucking. Oh, I got my money on the hippo, bro, because it's look at the size of the the bite. This, the bite alone is going to take them out instantly, but. If you have the moose, the moose has the antlers, and if they're using them right, they could take the hippo's eye out or something like that. Yeah. But I think that uh, they have, they're too thick-skinned. In all seriousness, I think they're too thick-skinned. I think that the hippo would just destroy that moose. You know, one of my favorite fucking scenes in a movie is when uh, it's in uh, Conan the Barbarian, when Conan gets drunk in the town and he punches the camel in the face. <laughs> he punches <Yeah>. the camel. <laughs> Do you remember? And I think it was Conan the Destroyer. He comes across that same camel and the camel is like scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking hippos, dude. Oh, 1800 PSI for their bite strength. Jesus oh, crazy. Christ. Two feet long teeth. Their incisors are two feet long. I mean, granted, crocodiles have got 3,700 PSI, but still, like, hippos, they got that huge mouth. And, and like you said, you just look at these things, and you don't think they're going to be able to move as fast as they are. You don't think they're going to be as cantankerous as they are. Yeah. And and you can just be – they can hold their breath for a long time, and they can run across the bottoms of bodies of water. And, you know, they just stick to the bottom. And so you can be in a boat just floating by, minding your own business. And there's a hippo underneath you that is suddenly insanely pissed off. They showed that video of that hippo fucking going after that boat. Oh, it's terrifying. Oh, my God. Okay, Joe. Joe, Dan. Hippo versus polar bear. Ooh. Oh, that's some shit. We've got to fight. There There we go. There we go. Because polar Mm. bears are the most dangerous of the bears. Where are they fighting? Where are they fighting? We got, I don't think we need to, I don't think we, I don't think we need to be, have them fighting on home turf. So it's like, put them on a beach. Put them on a beach. They're on a beach. They fuck around with the sand. They might roll their ankles when they're fighting. Hippo versus polar bear. Who takes it? The sheer size of the hippo might still let it walk out of there alive because I've seen in lots of documentaries where there's a lone polar bear that's trying to take on like an adult walrus and it doesn't go well for the polar bear. And walruses have also got those big tusks the way that a hippo's got those big tusks, but the hippo's got the biting force that Mm -hmm. that a polar bear doesn't. So, I mean – You'd be looking at a, a very scary fight between those two things because they're the hippo's not really a predator, but it's it's just so ornery, I guess is the best way to put it. Whereas a polar bear is an extremely efficient apex predator. Yeah. So if you, if you get a big ass polar bear and maybe not the biggest hippo, because I think the biggest hippo is going to outweigh the biggest polar bear by quite a bit. Um. You know, I, I think no matter what, you're going to be looking at, at a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> God damn. Fucking nature's fucking. The polar bear's going to get it, man. I think the polar bear would take the hippo because if the polar bear stays inside, it's going to avoid that 
chomp. And I think that's really the only hippo's that's the hippo's only real move is the chomp. Oh, right? my God. If there was fucking animal fucking like animal MMA fights and shit that were being televised, Dan, I think you should be one of the announcers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> This hippo's coming in with a real promising career. Man, it looks like uh, Petey the fucking uh, polar bear over there has got the reach on uh, uh, the hippo. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, Brian, he's going to have to stay away from that bite. That bite is dangerous. (laughs) All right, guys, this fight is brought to you by (laughs) (laughs) Coca-Cola. Until the sponsors are a bit biased. Coca-Cola and Milton Bradley. <laughs> yeah. How many of these sponsors are hungry, hungry? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, I I don't know. I put this on the list because I, I am – I was – you know, I guess uh, I just – the, I guess it was the Pablo Escobar of this, and like you know, I've heard of this before, and I was like, man, I'm going to put this on the list because I think this is super – Super fucking interesting, but I didn't know. Fascinating origin. It was fascinating. Invasive species ended up in Colombia. Yeah, yeah. Pablo Escobar just kind of like wanted to bring all these animals onto like his property, and then uh, like the hippos just starting to multiply at a at a rapid rate after his death. It started with four of them, with two males, two females. Yeah. One of the males died, and so it was just one male and two females, and then. What was it, like 15 years later, 20 years later maybe, there was like 30-some hippos, and now present day there's 130-some. Yeah, and they're trying to uh, – what were they – were they they castrating them? They were using gonicon darts. Yeah. uh, They they will stable – excuse me, sterilize them in these stables. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. and they're also just working on like socialization and trying to get. But I think that's a terrible idea. I think it's you know? terrible. I, I thought I it was interesting how that would work. But they were talking about, and I, I was asking myself when I was watching this. So they, I was like, why can't they just fucking round them all up and fucking take them back to fucking like, you know, fucking Africa or some shit? And they had some pretty compelling reasons they why that did. wouldn't work. They did. They were talking about like uh, you know these hippos. Um, you know, uh, might have uh, introduced some diseases and things like that to the... Yep, they could introduce new pathogens. And also because they started off from such a limited stock, one male, two females, these are very interbred hippos. Yeah, interbred hippos. And the biggest problem with interbreeding is that it can make recessive traits that through natural selection, recessive traits should fall away. They're not going to get passed on to the young, but in an inbreeding situation... If both parents have these recessive traits, they're going to get passed on to the kid, the offspring. And then the offspring is definitely going to have the recessive trait. It's going to breed with other offspring that also has that. And before you know it, you get like weird fucking hillbilly hippos that got three eyeballs and, you know, shit like that. Yeah. Mooing at you and shit. And and they don't want to take these weird inbred fucking hippos <laughs> and, and reintroduce them into Africa because it's like, OK, you're going to be introducing these recessive traits into the gene pool. Yeah. Don't also, put any sharks be, in the gene pool. Yeah. You could be bringing pathogens in. And also it's kind of a Jurassic Park situation in that, hey, these look like hippos. But they're not from their natural environment. So they're not behaving exactly like hippos in Africa would actually behave. 
And so there's all these weird, complex reasons why you can't just do what people think is simple. Let's just relocate these hippos back to Africa where they belong. And also people don't want to just kill these things, which I think is a very enlightened approach. And also this documentary makes it seem like, hey, this is shaky ground. It's not going to be too long before one of these hippos kills somebody. Yeah. And you're going to see public sentiment sway in the opposite direction really damn fast. Do you remember, hey, uh, they talked about like that one hippo that like went, uh, that, that that traveled miles and miles away. Pepe, then, uh, Pepe the killer hippo. Pepe the killer hippo. That's right. And they, and it, it was pushed out of the pond. So they hired a non-dominant male. And they, and they hired a big game hunter to fucking track him and kill him. And, uh, this guy could not look more like a big game hunter than he did with the fucking curly Q, <laughs> with the curly mud. His name was Federico. Right. Oh my God. He was a furry vest away from fucking looking like Craven. He was a, fu- he was a fucking hat and a monocle away from looking like Panama Jack. Ah. <laughs> 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 Well, I can hunt anything that walks on this earth, mate. I was like, holy shit, this guy looks like a Banana Republic shirt I bought years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. I I was fascinated by this. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Yeah, I I was fascinated by it, too. For me, it's a taste it. It's a solid documentary. I don't know how many episodes it's going to go. I think it's just this one episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was confusing because it did say episode one or right? season one, episode one, but I think it is just a standalone. Yeah, I think it's huh. National Geographic investigates and like the next episode will be like, uh, you know, they'll investigate oh, something gotcha. else. So they'll be investigating some other shit in the yeah. next episode. Yeah. I wondered how much more there was to cover in this. I'm like, how yeah. many episodes can you go? <laughs> yeah, I think they covered everything. <laughs> Very, very interesting doc, though. If you got Hulu, go ahead and check it out if you think that this is interesting. If you want to learn some shit about hippos. Yeah. Yeah. If you got a hippo hard on. <laughs> you want to check this out. A little out. edutainment. Yeah. A little edutainment. You know, learn something. You know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but like, I, I, well, I'll rate it. I'll say that I'll give it a taste it. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that I watched it. And, but the thing is that I, I'm ignorant and I knew nothing about this. So I swear to God, I'm not making a joke that when I saw a uh, Colombian hippo invasion come up on the text, I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm thinking it's like cocaine bear. Oh my <laughs> God. Or some shit. Dead serious. I was like, yes, let's do this. And I went to that first. And of course it was not that. You had no idea about the Pablo Escobar part of it? I really had no idea. That's about that. crazy. That I oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah, cool. I know this. I color me ignorant, but I'm glad I learned. I'm glad I watched this. I think anyone that really didn't know about this or, you know, it just seems somewhat interesting. Check it out. It was a, it was, it's about 45 minutes, 15 yeah. minutes. And yeah. it's pretty entertaining. You, yeah. know, you learn and it's entertaining. It's on Hulu. So check it out. Uh, it is national Brian day. So it's only fitting <laughs> that we review a movie on Peacock called Brian and Charles. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I so should have done better prep work for this and had a soundboard ready to go that I didn't tell you about that was loaded up with stuff that Charles was saying. Oh, my Specifically God. the way he was like, Brian. <laughs> Brian. I'm Charles Petrescu. <laughs> I went to go to Honolulu. <laughs> 
Brian is a lonely inventor in rural Wales who spends his days building quirky, unconventional contraptions that seldom work. Undeterred by his lack of success, he soon attempts his biggest project yet, using a washing machine and various uh, various spare parts. He invents Charles, an artificial intelligence robot that learns English from a dictionary and has an obsession with cabbages. Um, yeah, Brian and Charles is a comedy drama film directed by Jim Archer in his feature debut from a screenplay by David Earl and Chris Hayward, who also star in the film. And, um, yeah, so you've got, you've got a guy, uh, Brian, who's a very meek and, uh, sweet guy and, uh, kind of sticks to himself and, uh, fucking invents all he's he's an inventor and he makes these weird inventions and um he makes uh tries to make a robot and feels like it didn't work and then um leaves and doesn't he leave and come back and like the robot has come to life like and he thinks he said said that a mouse had like crawled across the wires and connected them yeah (laughs) yeah and so like the the robot comes to life and like they're trying to pick out a name for the robot and he names off a couple names and then he says Charles and then like the robot really like kind of like the robot kind of really likes the name Charles. Like, yeah, man. And he's like, yes, my name is Charles Petrescu. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the whole, and the whole movie is like this, this robot kind of like we see like the different stages that this robot goes through. Um, the robot, you know, likes to help him. And, uh, but then the robot goes through like the teen years where he's he's like, you know, he's wanting to do his own thing and go out and live his own life. He watches a documentary, like, like, like a travel channel thing about, you know, like how, you know, uh, Honolulu and Hawaii and how beautiful it is and the sandy beaches. And like this robot's like, I'm going to go, I want to go to Honolulu. Can I go to Honolulu? No, you got to stay here. He's worried about the robot leaving the house because there is someone in this village, uh, that is a, uh, there's a character in this that's kind of like the biff of the movie, like if you th- like Back to the Future, like the or like the, the village bully, the village bully. He's kind of like yep. the the kid from Toy Story that wants to fucking burn the toys and shit. He's just a fucking he's an asshole. He's got a wife and kids and his kids are assholes. And uh, he's just worried about he's worried about his robot Charles, you know, coming into contact with people in the real world that might not understand him. And, um, so he tries to keep Charles kind of like in a, in a bubble and that bubble is basically his house. And Charles wants to go out there and see the world. And he starts to become kind of like, uh, like a teenager and he starts listening to like rebellious rock music in his room and <laughs> treating Brian like, a, you know, you know, like, you know, like you just don't, you don't understand me and, and, and all this shit. Um, it is a quirky fucking movie. And I didn't really get it at first. And then, like, somewhere along the line, this movie, like, grows a heart. Yep. (laughs) And I really fucking, like... Charles went from being, like, this... Like, this 
this weird robot to being like someone that was in just like someone that I fucking cared for. It was yeah. weird. Like I felt really bad for this. Like bad things happen. Like, you know, you know, we talked about the bully and bad things happen with the boy and I like, I don't know, man. I really fucking, I really felt bad for Charles. I felt bad for Brian and God damn it. This movie fucking, this movie really hit me at the end. Like I, I I didn't know what to think of it at first. Like, um, I think, I think one of the comparisons I thought, um, somebody's, somebody had mentioned i i've had a couple people ask me to watch this movie um and one person kind of compared it to like you know, like oh if you like marcel the shell with shoes on check this movie out and so you know you, what it reminded me of brian a little bit like it was like a, a life like wallace and grummet if that makes any sense to i've you. never seen it oh it's just a claymation thing uh, but I mean, yeah it, just, it had that look somehow to me for some reason yeah I don't know. I really like this movie a lot. Uh, Dan, tell me, tell me what you thought about Brian and Charles. So when I first, okay, I started, I tried to watch it one time and I think I was just not in the mood and it was the very first, I would say we hadn't even met Charles yet or we just met Charles and I wasn't like you. I just really didn't know what to make of it. I wasn't thinking that I was enjoying it. And I, I, I don't know. There was just something that told me, turn it off. Yeah. Come back to it. You're not in the mood to watch this movie right now. <clears throat> so I actually watched it today. It starts up and I can already tell I'm enjoying it a little bit more, but it's still like you saying, it's a quirky movie and yeah. it might not be for some, but you're right. At some point when it's all about Charles, really, when Charles comes to life, he is like a child. He's so he's like a child and a puppy at the same time. There's a point where yes. uh, Brian goes away and when he comes back home, Charles runs out to be like dancing. He's like, he's like, Brian is home. Brian is home. But he's like dancing around and jumping around like a dog. And it's, it's, it's fucking downright adorable, actually. You know what I mean? Like I really started to care for Charles and their relationship between the two because Brian's obviously lonely. He's awkward. There's another uh, person in town, a woman, I can't remember her name. But she seems to Hazel. have feeling Hazel. Thank you. She seems to have feelings for him or she cares for him, but he doesn't even know how to really he's so awkward. He doesn't even know how to deal with that. So watching him, you know, uh, I really won't give any detail about the movie, but watching him grow uh, and gravitate towards her and then just how Charles changes his life and their their whole relationship. It really fucking worked for me, man. And I ended up like kind of loving this movie. I didn't know what to make of it until it was done. And I'm like, yes. Oh my God. But there's this one part and I won't say what it is, but it has to do with uh, a situation with the bully. And there is something that Charles tells Brian. He just a simple sentence of what he needs to do or what he wants to do. And I felt so bad for this robot, man, because he's just, you know, the, the like, Eddie is the town bully and his family, they're just the fucking I worst. I fucking hate them so fucking I, oh, much. There's, such there's a shit. part, there's a part when fucking Charles goes, Brian, can we go home? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh say, yeah. my God. Oh yeah. my God. It got me a little bit. He's talking about what we were talking about earlier about getting a little choked up. I know. It kind of got me because I felt for the character, like somehow they turned 
a washing machine with it's a the most sheet ridiculous over it. looking robot. It is the most ridiculous on its head with Orville Redenbacher hair and a, it just. Do you know who the, ro- like- the 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 mannequin head? Do you know what? It, do you know who it reminded me of? I, I will say Robin Williams. I'm. No. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I saw Williams in there a little bit. I was gonna say, have are you familiar with the actor Mark Rylance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I can from, see that from Bridge of Spies. He was also in the outfit. Yeah, it looked like I Mark Rylance to me. But uh, I, I don't know what they. Oh, did I can with see that. Monster. Holy shit! Thank you, thank yeah. you. It's yeah. Mark Rylance. Google him, but literally the first picture that popped up was like the best possible one. <laughs> It's Mark Rylance, man. That's what the fucking robot looks like. Oh, that is Sir David Mark Rylance. Oh, fuck. He's been knighted? He's been knighted. Jesus Christ. In 2017. I apologize. Uh, Sir Mark Rylance. I apologize. That's awesome. Yeah. Joe, we'll we'll, we'll never be knighted. No, and I'm just going to have to make peace with that. Yeah, that's one of those things, man. (laughs) it's one of those things man and you're not wrong i'm not wrong i just gotta accept it never be knighted i gotta accept it right (laughs) the sooner you do the better (laughs) those childhood dreams of being knighted you know (laughs) can't happen it's a, a man Oh my god! There's a part, you know, like fucking uh, Brian invented all this shit. I would say, like halfway through the movie, I wish he would have. I was like, man, can you invent some balls for yourself? Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <sighs> I love this movie, though. God damn it! It's I. I yeah, this. Go ahead, Joe. I I loved this movie too. This was one where right when it started. Well, first off, just looking at the thumbnail on IMDb, I was like, what? (laughs) And then when it started, I'm watching it and I went around. I'm like just watching it on my phone with headphones on. And I went around to each member of my family and played them a little bit of it. And I should have recorded reaction videos with how big their eyes got when they saw what Charles looked like, because he does not look like a cool robot at all. Like it looks it looks pretty jank and like this this show, it's it's not. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, Joe. I loved it when they would go to bed at night, and Charles <laughs> would go to sleep, and throughout the night he would just say, "I am sleeping. I am sleeping. I am dreaming. I am dreaming." And he's like, "Hey, Charles, can you turn off the blue light?" He had this blue light in his eye. He's like, "I cannot turn off the blue light." <laughs> <laughs> So for like the first 30 minutes of this movie, I just keep going back and forth of, do you just shut this off? At what point do you call this? I'm like, no, this isn't terrible. This isn't unwatchable. It's just different. And also right when it started, it was rated PG. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I mean, the, the, our our main character of Brian is, is just, he's, it's he's just so silly and the shit that he invents is so out there. Like, like one of the things he invents is a pine cone bag and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like a canvas shoulder bag that has a bunch of pine cones glued to the outside of it. And at one point he goes to the local store 
and buys some shit. And as he's walking away, the, the clerk is like, Hey, you got something stuck to your foot. And he's like, no, these are my tennis shoe trowlers. And he's got little troweling nets attached to the back of his shoes. And it's like, what is that? He's just a really weird, quirky, goofy guy. And then he invents this robot and the robot looks really weird. Oh, and also the whole way this is presented, lots of like him just talking directly at the camera. It's it's like there's constantly a documentary crew. Yeah, what following was it? it was like The Office. It was like watching The Office or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But I didn't know if it was like like it, that's the one part where I felt like maybe it didn't really know what it wanted to do with that because it was clearly going for the mockumentary thing. Even Charles was like, uh, is he serious guys? Is he lying to me? He was like talking to the camera crew about when he yeah. was telling them that he, that he gets to go and see the world, but then they never really, there's other times where you can clearly tell that there's not supposed to be a camera there. It's a really weird way it they is. did that, but yeah. somehow it worked. It worked. It's, yeah. Exactly. Somehow it worked. And, and really that's the best way to describe this whole movie is because, Around 30, 35 minutes in is where all of a sudden the heart in this movie showed up for me. And it it was, I don't want to give this away, but I'm going to say just enough so you guys know what I'm talking about. But it was when Brian and Charles are together and Brian pushes Charles to do something that he would have never done on his own. And they end up going to this lake and then things progress from that point. And, And I remember like pulling the headphones down, look at my wife and going, Somehow this movie just got a lot of heart to it. And it made me just legit tear up with happiness. Yeah. And, and then it just kept going from there. From that point, Charles became more and more human. And then you see him in in the same way that you guys pointed out that, Dan, when you're saying like from the start, it was almost like he was a weird cross between a dog and a kid. And then he was much more of like a kid that's like looks at your dad like. <clears throat> like your dad is like Superman or something that can do anything. And then you go into the teenage years where you resent your dad and you resent the control yeah. that's going on. And, th- and then you set off into the world on yeah. your own and the world just slaps the fucking shit out of you. And then more than anything, you just want your dad. Oh, back. Yeah, Joe, I, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, it is. It's just like, he kind of went through the whole course of, like he just went through like adolescence. He does. And became he, an adult. He, in he, exactly. And, and the way that it lays that out was just so smart. And it, I didn't see it coming. The 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 amount of heart that this movie comes with it, I didn't see it coming. It snuck up on me. And, and by the time that this movie was over, I was in tears. I, I was like, this is an incredible movie that especially with the PG rating, I feel like if you've got kids, show this movie to your kids because this level of humor is going to work with them. Like, especially the younger your kids are, just absolutely the more that they're going to love Brian's quirkiness and they're going to love uh charles for for just how deadpan he is and how much he doesn't understand the world and in the silly things that yeah. he says yeah. and in the sort of villain that's in this is is something that will absolutely work for children and for me an adult it worked for me as well like i felt these real stakes and in just the way that this movie wrapped up it's just fucking perfect this this went from a what the fuck i don't know if i should finish this movie yes. to absolute tupperware by the time it was done i mean i mean Surprised total agreement it, yeah it's like uh-huh. it, i i thought of turning it off i really did think about turning it off <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i was not into it at first and then it's like this movie just sucked me in and like it has so much fucking heart yeah it ends up being just this beautiful story by the time it's done yep and it was like i can't believe from the beginning of this movie to the end credits that it was able to turn me around so much yeah, yeah, kids. Unbelievable. Listen, listen to your parents, or you're going to end up on a fucking bonfire. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> it just 
just the sheer cruelty of Eddie. It's like, why would you even want to throw him on the bonfire in the first place? You stole him from somebody just to be a bully asshole and steal him from somebody. You make this thing a, a, essentially a slave, and then you just decide to throw it on a bonfire just to, to because it's like the first thing you think of doing is – I hated those people. God, I fucking hate Oh, I people. fucking hated Eddie. What a great yep, villain. They though. exist. They're in every small town around the fucking I world. I agree, dude. Joe. I agree. Nothing worse than the family of bullies, though. You know? Yeah. 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 It's like just everybody in that family is just, you know, to them, they prize being a shithead and, and treating other people poorly because they feel like they can get away with it because other people are too polite and, you know, not being like, well, fuck, I don't want to get knocked out by this guy and all it takes is one person to eventually stand up and or a few cabbages. <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. Let's, uh, that's, uh, Brian and Charles and it's on, uh, it's on, it's on, uh, is it on Amazon prime right now? Amazon prime prime video. Yep. Yeah. Check it out on prime video. Uh, Brian and Charles highly fucking recommend Brian and Charles. It's, uh, it's, you know what? Save it. Save it until uh, National Brian Day for next year. Put this. <laughs> put this. <laughs> what a de- what a momentous occasion! You guys should be you, Dan, Joe. You should feel fucking honored to talk to me on National Brian Day. There's so much Brian going on right now, man. I can hardly stand it. Oh, dude, I marked my calendar at the beginning of the episode. See, now you're just mocking me. <laughs> oh, did you pick up on that? Both of you are just mocking. You're making a mockery of my day. It is Make National Brian day. day. You're you know fuck Joe Day. Fuck Joe Day. <laughs> fuck August, whatever the fuck it is, Dan Day. <laughs> fuck your days. You should feel fucking privileged to be podcasting. I'm a podcasting legend, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly a decade at this fucking shit. You guys should be fucking honored to be talking to me right now. Bow down. <laughs> Bow down before the greatness that is. I'm I'm not even buying it. I'm not even buying it, guys. <laughs> Do you guys want to take a break? Yeah, sure. Dan? Oh, I'm cool with whatever, man. Yeah. Oh, look at you just going with the flow over there. <laughs> I'm just Honestly, going with the flow, here. baby. I'm here for you guys. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. We got some news. I think I'm going to start trimming this shit down. I want to wrap this bitch. <laughs> I, don't you, Joe? I, I support whatever running edits you choose to make, my friend. Dude, I'm going to be making edits on the fly, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> there are there DC are... news last night. Batman <laughs> fucked this list. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, dude. It's like it's like people are going to be getting the truncated version of whatever the fuck I've got listed here. Like like there's stories that I'm looking at right now that probably will not get brought up because I just want to wrap this bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back.
Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCL mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCL bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO Majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the Threadless link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now, do it, buy a shirt, I'm here, I'm right here. All right, hey, we're back. That's how this shit works, Joe. <laughs> Dude, the magic of editing. We leave, yeah, I know, we leave for a moment and then we're back. Joe, you had something you wanted to talk about real quick. Yes, this weekend I went and saw the premiere of Demon Slayer Season 3. They packaged it as a movie and released it in theaters. And really, it was it was it was episodes ten and eleven of season two. So the final two episodes of season two, and then the first episode of season three, which is the upcoming uh, Swordsmith Village arc. And that first episode of season three was an hour all by itself. So you got a, a nice little movie here. It was thrilling to see these characters up on the big screen i've previously only watched these you know on at home i've i've yet this was the first demon slayer property that i got to see on the big screen and to see the fight scene that 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 happens at the end of season two is fucking incredible seeing it on the big screen and then just seeing the the whole beginning of the swordsmith village arc which i've already read that part of the manga so i was familiar with what was going to happen and true to form with the rest of demon slayer it is like a spot-on adaptation of of the manga it's like it's like panel for panel word for word it's just exactly it's an exact adaptation now one of the things that i will say about this that i thought was a bit of a miss that i think that this studio could have done a lot better was to actually edit this in such a way so that it it felt like all of these three episodes of this show seamlessly fit together and they did not do that uh it, it started off with like a whole bunch of uh, summaries of like the entertainment arcs coming up to it. And one of the coolest parts was getting to hear the opening credits song of the first season, which goes hard as fuck. I absolutely love that. And seeing that on the big screen, along with like a bunch of um, uh, uh, like a, a little bit of a summary of what the whole first season was, was really fantastic for me. Um, but, but like getting into the meat of what the show was, they had the credits at the end. So when the first, when episode 10 was done, you had to sit through the credits on it. And then when that's weird. Was, that's was weird. weird as fuck. That's weird. And when episode was 11 was over, he sat through the credits and then it went into the swordsmith village arc. And when it was done, they had the credits for that. And I think they could have done a better job of uh, cutting those credits out of 10 and 11 yeah. and tacking them on at the end. So that way you're not shortchanging the creatives and, and all the artists and, and everybody that worked on this, you're not shortchanging them, but put those credits where they should be. And, 
because I have seen some complaints, especially on the Demon Slayer subreddit of people saying that this just felt like a money grab and that they're advertising it as a movie and it's not a movie. And I think those were more people who just went in not realizing what they were going to get. Uh, for me, I went in knowing exactly what I was going to get and I fucking loved it. It was a Tupperware at this point where you're going to have to wait for the rest of season three to premiere on Crunchyroll on April 9th. And I, I can't wait because this is a very exciting story arc. It, it's uh, you get a couple new Hashira in the mix. So it's centering around uh, the love Hashira and the mist Hashira and then everything that's going on in the swordsmith village and what new attacks are coming from these upper rank demons and wild shit to come in this arc. And if you're a fan of demon slayer, I don't know if it's still playing in the theater around you. If so, jump on it and go see it on the big screen. If not, Set your calendars because uh, or mark your calendars because April 9th is when we're getting it back. Fucking it, dude. Here's the thing I, I went and saw Demon Slayer, uh, the moving train, yeah, in the theater. I went and saw that in the theater, and it's like fucking uh, the master Ranguku story of it all. I was just like, oh my god, I was fucking, I know, isn't he the best? I fu- oh god, yes, 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 he's the best. And I was fucking like. I don't know, man. Got super emotional at the end of that. But I haven't finished season two, so I should probably finish season two before I go see this. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and dude, season two is fucking great. Yeah. And it's, it's not near as long. It's only 11 episodes. And I swear the last three or four episodes of it is, is mostly fight scene type shit. Um, and, and as the story goes, I mean, there's entire stretches in the manga where it's like, I think this fight scene has gone on for six issues. This is crazy. <laughs> That's wild. So I can't wait till we get that far in the story, especially once we get to like the infinity castle arc and stuff like that. It's going to be nuts. What the fuck? What fucking world am I living in that Joe Stark is watching fucking anime? I know it's weird, dude, because it, it took a while for me for it to click. But Demon Slayer was the one that made it click for me. Fuck and, Yeah. Like, I love these characters. Like just looking over right now, I've got a Tanjiro Kamado and a Rengoku like statue, like right next to my bloody invisible Here's or a- invincible statue. So it's like these characters really mean a lot to me. Fucking like, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I fucking got some fucking Demon Slayer original art that I've had fucking uh, like people paint for me and shit. I fucking I have the figures and shit. Um, I love it. Uh, Vinland Saga season two just dropped. So well, the I think like the first episode did. So I'm gonna be watching that. But um, nice, that's on Netflix too, right? I think so. I think so. I I watched it on. I think I watched it on Hulu the first season. I think maybe I don't know. I can't remember. But what the fuck? God damn it, Joe! I'm fucking. I I've been drinking tonight, everybody. <laughs> is the vodka starting to catch up it's catching up Joel <laughs> <laughs> well warp speed ahead to news <laughs> yeah well I'm skipping the first two news stories and dropping into the third one <laughs> <laughs> support your decision did you guys watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie trailer Yes. What'd yes. you think? What what, 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 did you think? Oh, why did they turn Max Hedrum there? <laughs> right. <laughs> what did you think, Joe? Uh, I really like the art style in it. Oh, dude, the art style anything. is fucking dope. Yes. I've never seen anything that looks like it. Like it, it looks like, like, like almost like a watercolor or something like that. But in animation, I can't wait yeah. to see what like a full episode of it looks like, because just in the trailer, it was captivating. 
the the music they tro- they they chose for it was a can I kick it was great was, choice oh such a great choice and and I really liked that they were able to kind of modernize the the turtles and and bring them into this you know they sound like kids that we're living in now they sound like fucking children they did they they sound the way that teenagers right now should sound and while that might make some fans of the turtles that that are around our age feel some things i i feel like this is the right choice for what they're doing in the cast that they have with it yeah and the showrunner this is being done by seth rogan yeah uh i i think that this is a very good mixture with the animation style the voice cast the modernizing it jackie chan showrunner jackie chan is fucking splinter splinter yes yeah (laughs) john cena is rock steady yeah, that's awesome. Seth Rogen is fucking Bebop. And then Ao Edibiri from uh The Bear is April O'Neil. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm excited Jean, to see this. Giancarlo Esposito is Baxter Stockman. I know, I couldn't believe that. Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Ice Cube is Superfly. <laughs> Rose Byrne is Leatherhead. Hannibal Buress is Genghis Frog. Post Malone is Ray Filet. <laughs> and Maya Rudolph is Cynthia Utram. I'm not familiar with that character. Uh, yeah, yeah there was a lot of those characters that I, I wasn't that familiar with outside of the core cast, but I think this has got a lot of potential. I'm excited to see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think, Dan? Well, I really wasn't a Turtles fan. I kind of grew up. I was like a little bit older when that came out. Yeah. But I've always thought they were really cool. And I've, yeah. I've watched some of it. I've seen the movies back in the day and everything like that. Uh, I did watch this. It is very impressive looking as far as the animation style goes. It's something like I don't think I've really ever seen before. And uh, it looks interesting. I'll probably watch it. I don't know how into it I'll be. But with a cast like that, it's got to be good, right? I mean, they have a fantastic cast there. So I'll be watching it. It's just that my fandom really isn't there. See, uh, Turtles was the last, like, I think as far as like childhood fandoms go, it was the, it was the last one for me. Same. It was, it was the, the last one that I had like all the figures of yeah. and, you know, all that shit. There was, it was right at that cusp where I started aging out of it. Yeah. And then once I aged out of it, there weren't toys that I was buying anymore. It was yeah you know not that sort of shit yeah yeah my my familiarity was that was my my uh, friend had a little brother so i got to go over there and i still i was kind of phasing out during like the he-man phase but also the tmnt so i would go over there and just kind of play with that shit without having to go and buy it because i thought it was too cool i didn't want to be seen buying toys anymore you know what i mean (laughs) puberty had struck tmnt was the last one for me and it's like i know like some people will be like yeah you know for me it was uh it was mighty Morphin. i aged out of mighty Morphin power rangers like Same. That, i that, i was in the place with mighty Morphin power rangers that dan was with with tmnt yeah I, I was just old enough to be like eh, it's baby shit i'm not into it yeah <laughs> meanwhile like six months ago i was like literally setting up all of my ninja turtles into like a giant battle on a card table in my room <laughs> oh my god you fucking dork i'm kidding <laughs> absolutely dude it, well here's the heartbreaking thing is that for years they just sat in a closet and we had a younger neighbor and one day my mom was like oh hey i gave austin all your old ninja turtles i thought he would really like that oh my god and you know at the time i'm just like eh, who cares but and then once i get up into my 30s like 
I just wake up in the dead of the night with my mother, mother's voice in my head going, I gave Austin all your turtles, turtles, turtles. Just like, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's like, Joe, go to bed. He's dreaming about the turtles again. He's over there fucking sobbing. I heard him say something about Raphael. <laughs> and this motherfucker doesn't like paintings. <laughs> oh my god oh fuck yeah i'm looking forward to it man i hope it's good uh if it's in 3d i'll watch it you know in the theater i'll watch it regardless but i hope it's good i i I want a good turtles movie anyway you guys i I skipped two news stories because i want to end this bitch (laughs) (laughs) you guys you guys ready for marvel news let's do it okay let's go you guys ready for DC news? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do. Hold on, we'll do Marvel news. Hold on. Marvel news. Oh no, man! God damn it, Joe! This show's so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> We're still here. This is stupid, dude. It's still here. <laughs> <laughs> news from Dark Horizons: Hugh Jackman has dual role in Deadpool three. Uh, the Film and Television Industry Alliance website has updated its listings over at Production List to indicate that shooting on the third Deadpool film will begin on May 1st in Vancouver. Uh, the Sean Levy, uh, Sean Levy directed film sees Ryan Reynolds reprising his role as, uh, of the Merc with the Mouth with uh, Deadpool, who will be joined by, uh, Hugh Jackman reprising his role of Wolverine from the X-Men films. This week, Jackman teased that he'll be playing more than one version of Wolverine in the project, which is rumored to have a multiverse-spanning story that could offer closure to Marvel's 20th Century Fox years and introduce Deadpool into the proper proper Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm drunk. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Into the plopple. (laughs) this this episode is terrible (laughs) we started really strong i'll give us that closure to the marvel fox center deadpool in the popple marvel universe what the fuck dude (laughs) speaking with the french outlet La Paracion. <laughs> really good. In it, I know, dude. I, I, Joe, never took any French. <laughs> Astounding. Ne- I know. La Paracion. La Paracion. <laughs> Speaking with the French outlet, La Paracion. In an interview about his latest film, The Sun, Jackman confirmed the filming of the project this summer and clearly states, yes, it will even be a dual role. 
when asked about his character. Jackman already played two versions of the character in 2017's Logan, with the actor fighting a younger ver- younger clone of himself uh, called X-24. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to laugh there. That was dumb. It's one of my favorite scenes in the first Deadpool. It was fuck, dude. Was that that was fucking awesome, wasn't it? It's the shit, dude. They step out of the taxi and they're going towards the final showdown. I love it. You know, fucking DMX slow motion. Fucking slow motion. DMX was a fucking badass, dude. That dude was a beast, dude. DMX, dude. I can't believe DMX is not with us anymore. Isn't it fucked Uh, up? It's sad. He died too young. Um, do you ever hear his uh, rendition of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Shut the fuck. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> you Is never that, heard that? Hear that immediately. Dude, he and does he it off the cuff. He's like, he's like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, come on! Like, he's <laughs> fucking getting into it. It's fucking rad. Hold up. Hold up. I'm going to find this shit. I got to fucking see. I got to fucking. Hold up. Here we go. Here we go. Building your online business? Yeah, I'm building it. <laughs> go to Wix.com. <laughs> fuck you. Your... Wix. You know Dasher and Dancer and Panzer and Dixon Come into Cupid and Donner and Blitzen What do you recall? The most famous reindeer of all Come on! It's a game. <laughs> awesome. The most extreme route off the red nose reindeer, right? <laughs> oh my god, that's funny as shit. Makes the original seem so boring. Mm. Have uh, you guys ever seen the video of DMX on the slingshot ride? No. <laughs> oh, I would not recommend playing that, Brian. But check it out on your own. It's hilarious. Well, this was a du- <laughs> this was a dumb article, wasn't it? That I just read. What, the, that Wolverine's going to be playing two different versions? Yeah. Well, that was my first thought was that, because the article even brought up that he did that before yeah. in Days of Future Past, playing two different versions. And so in my mind, I'm like, maybe they're going to give us a version of Wolverine that we've never seen before, and then another version of Wolverine that we have seen before. Because it seems like they'd just be retreading old ground if they just gave us like say the one from x-men origins and then also the one from logan or something like that it's just and it, it does feel like a little bit of a non-article if here's the thing it's like if like if either one of those versions are not the fucking version that we saw in the fox movies i'm gonna be pissed as fuck yeah because you need to have at least one of them connecting we we need that connective tissue yeah and there's a, there's enough jokes in the in the fandom itself about those Fox movies, it just makes sense to capitalize on that sentiment and let Deadpool go and kill those characters. I, yeah, I don't know. 
the, the uh, still wondering how Disney's going to allow all this, how they're how it's going to pan out. I guess we'll just have to see. Sean Levy is saying like this is going to be straight up fucking R rated, and it better be. Kevin Feige never he better not fucking pussify this fucking shit, man. I, mm, yes, I'm going to be so fucking pissed if we fucking get a fucking water. Because I already, th- I already f- have the feeling that we're going to get a watered down, push a pussified version of fucking Daredevil, which I'm not for. Seriously, we have so much fucking watered down fucking, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm, I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry, and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. <laughs> we have so much fucking PG-13 content from Marvel right now that we shouldn't be, that I, <sighs> we have a lot of awesome PG-13 version (laughs) Marvel stuff now that we can enjoy that's been really good. But if they start taking stuff that we have a love for, like the R-rated Deadpool, the R-rated Wolverine stuff, that James Mangold brought us in Logan, uh, the TVMA Daredevil that we fell in love with on the Netflix stuff, and they start fucking watering this shit down and pussifying it. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not saying that the PG-13 Marvel stuff is pussified. Like, I love it for what it is. Like, I fucking... Like, nobody can take away my fucking excitement for, like, the first time that I saw Iron Man. Nobody can take away my excitement for the first time that I fucking saw Captain America Civil War. The first time I saw Avengers. The first time that I saw Infinity War. Black Panther. Endgame. Shang-Chi. Like, all that stuff was PG-13, and it worked so well. But, on the flip side, there are characters like Wolverine that I think Wolverine works better R-rated. I think think Deadpool works... I think Deadpool 100% works better R-rated. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Look at what these characters... Look at what they used to fight. Wolverine is using razor sharp adamantium claws. Deadpool has has got dual guns and dual swords. The when these people fight, they it doesn't make sense for them not to be drawing copious amounts of blood. So it's just going to work better in an R rating. And then when you add the characters' personalities into it too, it it just works fantastic in that setting. Not to say that Wolverine didn't work in the PG setting. We loved him in at least half of those movies. Yeah, and. But man, in Logan, actually seeing him, seeing those claws go in one side of a dude's head and pop out the other. Oh my God. That scene with the. was fucking thrilling. That fucking scene with the limo, when he's fucking going off on those guys. Oh my God. When we see the claws go straight through a guy's fucking head. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. Yeah. Like, my God, here's the thing. It's just like, I think there's definitely a time and a place for Marvel to be PG-13. A hundred percent. But I think on the, you know, I think there is moments where we need to see this R-rated fucking side of Marvel. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it with the Blade movies. I enjoyed it with uh, uh, the Punisher stuff. I, I love the TVMA of the Netflix series. 
when they went that direction with Daredevil and Punisher and stuff. Here's the thing. It's like, I don't want that to change. Um, I want them to keep that. I want them to stick with some of the R-rated stuff when it comes to the, to the Marvel. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. Two different versions of Wolverine. They don't really open it up. I just hope one of those versions is the version that we've come to know and love uh, in the uh, with the Fox Studio stuff because that's the version of Wolverine that I want to eventually show up in Secret Wars. You know. Yep. Yep. That's the one that we're already connected with. That's yeah. That's the one that we want to see being annoyed with Wade Wilson and trading insults with him and and maybe even taking pieces off of him that just fucking keep growing back as much as Wolverine doesn't want them to. Yeah. Do you guys see the uh, synopsis for Captain America New World Order that popped up this week? Yeah. Yeah. It's It, it looked like pretty spot on from what we'd been predicting. It's true. Well, a lot of the rumors that have uh, popped up about the, the leaks and things like that. Uh, Captain America New World Order. Uh, this is the synopsis that uh, popped up online this week. Captain America New World Order will follow an international conflict over a new metal called adamantium discovered in Tiamat, the celestial of the Eternals, which is now an island. Uh, each country wants a piece of that new metal and claim the island as its own. Harrison Ford's Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, who is now president, is the movie villain who wants to reclaim the island and the adamantium at all costs. And Sam Wilson's Captain America gets in his way. Uh, by trying to stop him, by assembling a new group of heroes, including the new Falcon to oppose. Captain America will be fighting some other villains who are also trying to get their hands on adamantium. So, yeah, uh, the Eternals, finally, they're addressing the gigantic uh, celestial uh, uh, body that's in the in, in the ocean. Uh, it's going to be made of adamantium. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's also confirmed in this in this rumored synopsis that uh, Harrison Ford's Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is the president in the MCU now. These are things that we've been uh, hearing that are rumors. And Joe, it looks like it's uh, looks like it's all true. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I really liked the 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 direction that those uh, leaks were going, and to have it confirmed like this, I'm I'm pretty excited. I think that this is going to be a solid movie. Excited to see what what a cap four is going to look like with, with Sam carrying the mantle. A lot of hulks in this movie is what I'm hearing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. If we're going to get a red Hulk, if we're going to get our regular Bruce Hulk and, uh, she Hulk. Yeah. She Hulk uh, could be and in possibly, it. Possibly. Is it scar scar? And then, uh, what's it? Uh, is it Betty Ross as fucking Red She-Hulk, possibly? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this could be fucking wild, dude. Yeah, I'm drunk as fuck. Let's end this bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it, dude. Uh, Thwipped had a rumor on uh, on Twitter saying, uh, we get a look at Nick Fury's personal family life in uh, Secret Invasion. That's exciting. Yeah, how deeply under wraps was he keeping that? Oh shit! Like that—that that was my the, the biggest surprise. Of that to me was he has a family. Yeah, yeah. 
don't know. I'm ready to end this episode. Let's go to DC News and wrap this bitch. I'm done. <laughs> Last night. All right. So. <laughs> So there, there was a DC news. Um, there was a, uh, uh, it looks like they're filming for the Joker too. And, uh, they showed a, uh, somebody had filmed a chase scene that's happening in the movie. And it looks like, it looks like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character of the Joker in Joker two is being chased by two different versions of himself. It looks like he's being chased by the Arthur Fleck version of himself and then, like, the full-on Joker version of himself from that first movie in this. So it's like a... It's like a... It's like a street scene. So there's cars involved, and he's running down a street, and he's being chased by two different versions of himself. This is going to be... This movie's going to be wild. It's going to be part musical. We've got Lady Gaga in this playing Harley Quinn. And then this looks like, it looks like a very kind of like, we're going to be getting into the brain of the Joker here because he's being chased by two different versions of himself. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think it's like a dream sequence or something? It's got to be, man. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on this being part musical? Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of musicals, Dan. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I enjoy going to an actual musical. Like, I, I do. Like, I've seen some musicals in person, and I really enjoy them. But I, as far as, like, it translating on in, in film, I'm not a huge fan. But we'll see what they do with this one. I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, you got to keep an open mind. Yeah. Joe, did you watch this? I, I, I watched that little clip and and that is what it looks like. It looks like two different versions of the character chasing him and yeah, probably would be a dream sequence. I still haven't watched the first one. I suppose I'll have to knock it off at some point. And, oh, I know. You're a leftover <laughs> now. You're a leftover now. It's like it's like the plane thing all over again. Oh, <laughs> I, I hope I hope plane doesn't show up on the list and then Brian <laughs> Brian throws plane up on the fucking list and you end up loving it. What I was thinking was, you better watch it now, otherwise you're going to put it off until it comes out, and then you're going to have have a week where you're going to have to watch both fucking Joker movies at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm vaping right now. I don't even give a shit. Listen to me vape. <laughs> Joe, we're not going to get any iTunes reviews next week on this one. Shit. <laughs> Feel partially responsible. I'm sorry. I, I think we're gonna I, we're gonna get fuck you, Dan. You did great. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, it's my lack of fucking enthusiasm. I skipped over like 17 <laughs> stories. Um, you know, listen, buddy. You got yourself some drink. You got a little vape in you yeah. right now. It's National Fucking Brian. It's na- yeah. Fuck yourself. you. It's National Brian Day. I can do whatever the fuck I want to on my day. Right, Dan? Exactly, my friend. <laughs> it's my exactly. day. It's my fucking day. Um, I think that fucking uh, Pat Sajak is going to be like, eh, my, me and my wife have been thinking about it, and uh, 
<laughs> her, sir, right her vagina is off the table. <laughs> that last episode made her drier than a pile of dead leaves. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Anyway, yeah, let's wrap this bitch. I don't give a fuck anymore, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking done. I, I just I love it when you get to this level of honesty. It's always really fun. I don't care. I'm done. I want to fucking. I want to fucking. God damn it! I just want to fucking go to bed. Jesus Christ! I'm fucking. I'm almost fifty. I, don't don't start with Dan. Dan, you're gonna I didn't be, say a fucking word. I know. I don't start with me. I know you're older, but Jesus Christ! I've. I'm. Ah, oh, God damn it. I didn't try to be older, Brian. It just happened that way. You're fine. You're fine. You're young at heart, though, Dan. Thanks, buddy. You're drunk, and I love it. I haven't recorded with you when you're drunk for a while, and I kind of missed it. I got to be honest with no, you. No, it's not, it's not fun. It's not a fun experience for anybody. God damn it. Like, I feel like I'm ripping off the listener right now. It's like, uh, like, oh, what stories could you have brought to the table had you been sober? I think, I don't know. Well... <laughs> I don't know anymore, man. Joe, how long? How long am I gonna do this? How long can I, it's been a decade of my life? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Next, well, that, hey dude, as long as you still enjoy doing it, I'll be here to do it with you. So, all right, well, then there's no episode next week. Let's just say. Let's, <laughs> this, let's, <laughs> Well, if that's the case, then we're done now. <laughs> I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on this journey. Uh, <laughs> I'm not drinking next week. There's no way. I can't do it again. Oh, good. Do it. Dan. Take how much you had this week and back it off by about two drinks. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not, I can't handle it, man. I can't Just take her back shit. 25% next week. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I need to take it. Dan. Yes, sir. I love you, son of a fuck. I love you too, you cocksucker. You fucking piece of shit. Fucking prick. I love you, you fucking rat bastard cunt. (laughs) I can't get enough of you, you hairy fucking cunt prick. I shave in all the right places, Dan. You don't know what. I nair sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I am smooth as shit. I do do a lot of manscaping, Dan. That's good. I'm glad for you, buddy. You wearing short shorts? (laughs) <laughs> Did I ask about that? I'm just curious. Did no, I ask man. About your manscaping, or are you just giving me some fun facts? Yeah, sometimes you know, you know, throw, you know. Sometimes I like it. no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm always down with the fun facts. I mean, sometimes I know something else I didn't know about you today. Yeah, I like to. I like to educate. Thank you. <laughs> There's nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's really quite breathtaking. No, I don't want to look like. No, seriously, I don't want to look like some fucking wildling from the fucking Game of Thrones and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guarantee those motherfuckers are like Harry is shit fucking down there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to fucking look like a wildling, man. So I do, I fucking, I take care of my shit, man. I fucking, I fucking, you know, I'm very, uh, I do, I do, uh, you, Joe, we had Manscaping as a fucking sponsor on the show at one time. Yeah. And I fucking, I take that shit very seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the lawnmower 3.0 or whatever. I picked the, one of those up during that promotion. The 4.0. 4.0. It's a 4.0. It's fancy. I love it. It's fancy as fuck. I fucking yeah, take yeah. care of my shit. I fucking I uh they get when they when they did that whole thing, they sent us a uh they sent us like a they sent us all that shit. They sent us like the the 4.0 and the fucking nose trimmer and the fucking and then they sent us these fucking like manscaped boxer briefs and shit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> they hooked you guys up. <laughs> yeah, they did. Those fucking boxer briefs are nice, man. They feel good, man. You fucking shave your balls and then fucking wear the manscaped boxer briefs. It's like you feel good. You feel good. You're ready to go out there and conquer the world. Yeah, there's nothing like soft cotton right against a shorn scrote. Shorn scrote, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manscaping uh, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is the way. This is the way. Get get into it, fellas. If you haven't manscaped, maybe try it out. And, you know, hey, bonus points. Trim Listen. edges back. Tree stands taller. Yeah, seriously, guys, if you're wondering, like, hey, why the fuck haven't I been getting a blowjob? Maybe fucking shave that shit. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. She doesn't want to fucking have a fucking mouthful of your fucking curly fucking cute pubic hairs in her fucking mouth for crying out loud. Fucking take some time out. Take, take some pride. Take some pride in your fucking balls, in your yeah. fucking shaft, in your fucking... Jesus Christ, it's Botox sickening. the wrinkles out of your ball sack. Oh, man. That, that Dave Chappelle, when he was talking about putting Botox in his ball sack, and he was like, did you ever see that? Did you ever listen to that stand-up special, Dan? No, no. <laughs> Dave Chappelle I'm was, glad someone else was thinking about it. Dave Chappelle, was, he had a stand-up special, and he was talking about fucking putting Botox in his fucking ball sack. And he was like, I want the, he's like, I want them smooth. He's like, I want them smooth like eggs. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch the new Chris Rock uh, stand-up special? I did. Oh, I did. What'd you think? Who are we going with? Oh, I was going to let you go first, Dan. <clears throat> so, okay, I'll, I'll be the guy. I, I'm curious what you guys are going to say. I feel like. Okay, I wanted to see it anyway, and I, obviously because it was the first live Netflix event. So that's the first reason I want to watch it. But of course, yeah. I want to see what the fuck Chris Rock's going to say. That's the main reason I watched it. Yeah, I, I've been a Chris Rock fan for a while. I, I actually saw the, uh, was it Bigger and Blacker? Was that the name of his tour or album? I saw that tour when it came to town. So I've been you know a fan for a while, and I think that he did a pretty good job. I'm not really crazy about his stand-up as much these days, but I thought that a lot of what he said – was hitting the mark and i liked his i appreciated his honesty on this one because he's doing something that i think a lot of comedians are afraid to do these days and it's just fucking say something honest every once in a while you know it's hard to do i like the 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 showing like turning the mirror on the audience and talking about like the name of his oh was it selective outrage i thought that was beautiful i'll spare any kind of politics or anything like that but i just appreciated what he said about that but of course i was there for the main event and uh I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a minority in this. Cause I've been like, what? Like after it happened, I was looking on Twitter trying to get it like a sort of an eval of what his performance was like, especially the last part. I feel it was justified. I'm not here to like go fuck Will Smith or anything like that. But I know personally that if I was Chris Rock and I got bitch slapped in front of the world 
and then I had to stay silent for a year. Yeah, I'm going to probably come out swinging. And I don't I don't really I feel it was justified. I don't think some people were saying that he was just going way too far with it. And it was showing, you know, a, a lack of class. But you know what? He got hit with a with a fist or a slap and Chris was hitting with his words. And I think it was OK. I agree, dude. Did you listen to the after? Like, I, I kind of tuned out of the after show. There was I, a reason I tuned out, Brian. Do you want to know what that reason was? What was that? Fucking Arsenio Hall never shutting up the entire time. He was like cutting people off, but they were trying to make these, these like, uh, especially JB Smooth. Dude, I love JB Smooth. Like, I was all about what he was saying. And uh, I, I, I turned it off after about like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, me but, too. Yeah, I but love I liked it because it was all of Rock's yeah. peers and they were like, damn, he killed yeah. it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think they all were they were really happy for him, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Will Smith is who he is and, and he had his reasons. But consequences happen. If you take actions, consequences happen. And he yeah. just found that out. So I say good on Chris Rock. I thought he did a really good job with that. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. What did you think, Joe? I thought it was a solid special. Uh, I was planning on watching this live, but. Turned out it was on the exact same time that I was watching Demon Slayer in the theater. So I watched it the next day and it, I thought it was a solid special. It, it it for me, it didn't live up to the heights of of his earlier specials that had come out. And there are times where he was leaning into it to where he almost kind of sounded like a Chris Rock parody at times. But but I did appreciate that he wasn't afraid, especially on like a live show going out to the big big room he wasn't afraid to say some of the jokes that he said that that in this climate on on social media can can really get you in a lot of trouble with some of the territory that he was willing to tread yeah and and i agree that that i think a lot of people were tuning in for the main event on this to to see what sort of jokes he was going to make about will smith and that was his closing bits on it and and i thought they were pretty solid uh, I I don't think that I think anybody complaining about the bits that he did about Will Smith are 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 pretty precious people because considering what happened and what he could have been saying about it, I think he was he was he he handled it very well. People, man, it's just jokes. People, that's all it is. It's jokes. In 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 this case, it's like from the reasoning he had to go after it's like dude you got like physically assaulted yeah and he held back from doing anything or saying really anything further in that moment and so that right there is like very very high class and then to go out and because i was listening to people talk on so or not listening but seeing people talk on social media about it that was seeing his live shows after the event and they were like oh yeah he brought it up he didn't make the entire show about it he had just a, a little bit of material about it and what he had was very good and that's how it came through on this for me as well and that you know you could easily take something like that and turn it into entire special and just make so many reoccurring jokes about will smith and his family because Let's face it, they 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 put enough of themselves out there to where it's like, wow, you guys are kind of weird on Maine, and you're gonna do that as being public fucking figures. You're putting yourselves out there for ridicule, and he didn't go near as hard on a lot of stuff as he could have. And but yeah, for for me, it was just 
it was a solid it was a solid special it, there's if you want to see stuff that's going to make you make your side hurts laughing laughing i could point you in the direction of a, a lot funnier specials that are out there on Netflix. oh my god this, wait this until solid. wait until they fucking see this fucking new bill burr tour uh that's, bill burr yep. tour that's the same thing I was thinking, too. Yeah. The next Bill Burr special that comes out, people are really in for a treat. Yeah. Because oh that was God. some funny material we got to see back in November, dude. Dude, I fucking I, – I haven't laughed that hard in a fucking long time, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, you know – Oh, you like, guys went to go see him live? Yeah. yeah. Me, Joe, awesome. and Jake went to Peoria and fucking saw Bill Burr's new tour. And, oh, my God. Joe, I haven't – I – I'm serious, man. Like, I haven't laughed that hard in a long fucking time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so good. It was great. Dude. That, that was, was like, that's like a bucket. Amazing. That was like a bucket list thing. And, it, you know, and like, you know, I can say like, oh, it was so much cooler because I got to see it with Joe and Jake. But like, I could have watched that shit a fucking, I could have watched that shit by myself and laughed my fucking ass off. I'm not going to lie. Like, it no, was, agreed. It, agreed was, dude. it was good. It was cool seeing it with you and Jake. But man, it was fucking, it was just a fucking stellar set. Yeah. And, and I firmly believe that Bill Burr is one of the best comedians working today. And I think, you know, even years from now, that's going to be born out that people are going to be talking about him like oh dude this this guy was one of the greats oh, when he was out there really in his prime and yeah and and to see the way that he's evolved and and he still manages to be funny and he he's not that you know young angry guy anymore now he's a little bit more laid back he's got more life experience and the stuff he's talking about just kind of makes sense with where he's at in his life and oh, we got to see the trailer for his old dogs, yeah, old old dad's movie coming yeah, up, yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing that with Bobby Carnival. That looks really funny. Fuck yeah, that looks really good. Dan, yeah. I want to apologize for you being on such a shitty episode, dude. <laughs> you guys are fine, man. I'm always happy to no, be. No, man, let's talk is, to you guys. No, no, let's, let's you know let's not bullshit like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to text you after the show, but since we're talking about it, it's great, man. Yeah, I'm man. happy to be here. And you know what? We can always do it again. Uh, ah, do you really want to do this again? I mean, come on. Time. Come on. Seriously, time, yeah. Joe. Like, Joe, Dan, like, when did PCL jump the shark? When did I, you know, you know what I mean? Like, when did this fucking show? I mean, God damn, Joe. You want to know what I think? I'm going to be honest with you guys about something. Yeah. <clears throat> So before I say it, when I say it, I'm not going into a negative thing here because I'm going to say I'm going to start off by saying, oh, here we fucking go. Here we fucking go, Joe. No, we're getting here we go. Getting the prep. Uh, hold, no, hold on. Let me pour myself another fucking drink. Yeah, you might want hold the fuck on. <laughs> I love me some Jake Elliott. OK, I do. I love don't you love even don't you even fucking talk ill about my fucking boy no no friend no jake is like my best friend in the world i know and i I should probably just i know i'm not because this is a compliment don't fucking break listen listen to what i'm trying to tell you i'm drunk dan don't listen to my ass man you have joe right yeah i got joe now to me pcl is kind of like van halen bro you know what i'm saying because we had the we had the rockin Let's take our fucking shirt off and just rock it the dirty rock uh-huh. of Jake Elliott, Two Sheds Elliott. Yeah. And now we've got the smooth vocal stylings of the Joe 
Stark. You know what I mean? It's like the Stark phase. This is the Van Halen 2 phase, man. And you guys are fucking killing it. Here's still. the thing. No, Joe, here's you the brought thing. so much to the show, and that's not taking anything away from Jake. I love Jake, and I love PCL. Yeah. I've been a fan for years. But I'm really liking what this, the way that this show's going, and I think Joe's been a fantastic addition to it. I think that's the truth. I think the dynamic suffers from me. Can you imagine a, a show of uh, Jake and Joe? I think it's like, oh my god! Like, I think the show suffers from fucking my ass being on here. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> it's crazy toxic. No, man. I think like, but if, I did mean. I'm serious. I did mean that in the highest of compliments. When you start off something, I know how it sounds. You're like, listen, I love Jake. I know how that sounds, and that's why I tried to premise with that. Yeah. But honestly, I fucking love this show. I'm happy to be a part of it when I'm a part of it, and I really think with Joe coming on, Joe, I'm talking to you personally, man. You have done something to this show that it just you just brought something to it that just makes it I won't even say better. It's just fucking fantastic. And it's and it's I don't see the show ending anytime soon, man. If you guys want to keep it going, I think that everyone's gonna be here for it. Yeah. You guys are killing Thanks, it. Thanks, dude. I think seriously, man. From the bottom of my heart. I think I would like to be I would like to be the listener. I would like to be, I would listen I would like to listen to a Joe and Jake show. I would like to fucking step away, fucking be done with this goddamn bullshit. <laughs> I would like to be done with it. Fucking move on with my life. <laughs> and just listen to Joe and Jake every week. <laughs> We'd start talking about magic and you'd tune out immediately. Oh my God. Yes. But the show would go on. <laughs> Oh man, no, I don't know. I, 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 I will tell the listener this. Like, I promise you that we will at least make it to episode five hundred. How's that sound? Is that is that fair, Joe? That's good. Yeah. One one minute at a time. <laughs> I think after this episode, they're like, dude, you can end it now. <laughs> <laughs> You can end it now after this one. Mm. Jesus fucking Christ. Dan. Sir. Thank you, dude. Thank you, man. <laughs> that was awkward <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> can we never recreate that moment? Let's never again. Do that ever again. Jesus <laughs> Christ, man, that was fucking weird as shit. I'm going to sleep tonight now. I feel all fucking scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Shower 6 months from now, cringe. I'm going to cry in the shower. Oh fuck, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, never again. It was gross. It that was, gross. was sickening. Yeah. Anyway, Dan, Dan, you do a podcast called Heroes of Noise. Jesus Christ. I fucking <laughs> No, what? What? I heard heroes of noise and Jesus Christ. Didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> Shit, we don't we don't talk religion. Um, no, I love your podcast, dude. Thanks, man. Yes. Thank you. If anyone else wants to hear, check us out at www.heroesofnoise.com. We are uh, slowly churning out episodes at this moment, and uh, that's all I can say for now. But you know Listen. what? Listen, if I have it my way. We'll fucking rock it forever. Listen, I want you to like listen. Heroes of Noise is, should be a staple 
in fucking in podcasting. And I want you to, I want like, I want you to pass this message on to Steve that mm-hmm. if, he, if he ever walks away from the show, mm-hmm. he fucking sucks. I'm going to pass that on to him. Please. Sooner than later. Yeah. Sooner than later, sir. Yeah. Like, let him know, like, no, let him know, like, right now, like, I hold him on a pedestal. Like, I fucking love him. But, like, if he ever fucking walks away, he's walking away from fucking a great fucking community of people that fucking love him. And he shouldn't. He shouldn't, like, he shouldn't walk away from people that fucking love him, that want to fucking hear him. That's the fucking thing. Like, I, I, I say, like, yeah, oh, Okay. You know, I, I promise you at least we're going to get the 500. But then there's like the part of me that's just like, what if I, what if I did wrap it up? Like, what if I fucking did say like, I'm fucking done and I'm, 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 I, I quit podcasting and there's no PCL. Like this podcast for some people, like this is their fucking week. Like they look forward to like listening to this. Like right. what the, like what kind of weird fucking antics are, you know, Brian and Jake or Joe or whoever the fuck, what are they, and the guests, what are they going to get into this week? Like what, like what kind of fucking weird fucking crazy antics are, are they going to get into this week? And, uh, you know, some episodes are better than others. I'm, I'm not a fucking moron. I realize this episode fucking sucked. I get it. Okay. I fucking get it. This episode was fucking trash, but we've had some fucking good ones in the past, but, um, that's the thing. Like, if there was no Heroes of Noise, like, if Heroes of Noise, like, fucking went away, and there was no Heroes of Noise, that you would have your fans that are just like, holy shit, like, this was a part of my life. Like, this was, uh, I've invested so much fucking time into listening to this. And I'm not, I'm not just saying, I'm talking about, like, me as a fucking person. I've listened to some podcasts, Dan, that I love that have went away. And no explanation, like, like no explanation, like these podcasts just went away, like they were gone. Like one episode, like one week I listened to their podcast and like the next week a new podcast didn't fucking upload. The next week a new podcast didn't upload. And there was no explanation as to like why this podcast went away. It was like, what the fuck? I've been here for fucking two fucking three fucking years, whatever. Listen to this podcast. You guys never fucking came back. What the fuck? Um, what I'm trying to say here is like, like you guys have built something and I love listening to you guys and, and no, like seriously, like you guys have great fucking chemistry and, and I think that I would like to see, I would love to see Heroes of Noise be a constant fucking uh staple in my life and other people's lives and i hope it never goes away and i mean this sincerely uh um uh you guys have a great dynamic um i don't always agree with everything you guys fucking say (laughs) as most people don't yeah but well i don't you know people listen to me and people listen to me people listen to joe people listen to jake they don't agree what we say but it doesn't fucking matter, man. Like, that, that's the thing. It's like you don't have to agree with everything somebody always says um, in order to, like, uh, kind of uh, build a relationship with the listener and the community and shit like that. And what I'm trying to I say here you. is, like, um, I think that your voice needs to be heard and Steve Steve's voice needs to be heard. 
I think it's a great outlet for you guys. And I think your fans, uh, I think your fans, I think that they would, uh, I think that it would hurt if they, if they didn't get the heroes of noise every week. And I think you've brought something special to podcasting. God damn it. You know, the thing is like, (laughs) I wish, you know, like I don't have the luxury, like I don't like me and Joe, like I, you know, like we don't have like me, Joe, Jake, you know, this podcast, we're like, we, this is like fucking grassroots and shit. Like we didn't fucking start from like, I never starred in a fucking movie. I never fucking did anything. And we've built up, uh, we've built up a pretty good following and shit. And we don't have the luxury of, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, for sure. you know, like there's like, you know, Conan O'Brien's, Conan O'Brien starts a podcast and it's like, oh fuck, you know, he came from fucking late night. He came from fucking. Yeah, you didn't get instant downloads. Yeah. I don't have anything like that. So I, I, I'm blessed. Uh, Joe's blessed. We're all blessed by any person finding us. It's like, it's an, it's an amazing thing. There's like, there's, there's like a, a, there's like a day where there's a day. Here's the thing. Uh, Jake and I started podcasting together, uh, back in 2013. I met Joe, uh, Jake, excuse me. I met Jake back in 2012. We start podcasting in 2013. And uh, there's a day where we find um, we put out an episode, and for some fucking crazy reason, uh, a guy named Joe Stark listened to an episode. Here I am talking to him. He's now a fucking co-host on this show. That's like the that's like the fucking that's like the evolution of this show. Um, there, and there's a lot of those stories. There's like a day where like a, a fucking Dan West listened to PCL. There's a day where fucking Nana Pratt found us. There's a day where a Paul Hart found us. A Stephen Farsheet found us. A Stephen Redgrave found us. A day where a Dan Ramirez found us. There's a day where a fucking, you know, I could go through a list of Rebecca Daling. There's a day, there's a day where these people found us and it's building up one fucking person at a time. Now here's the thing. It's like you find these wonderful people that find your podcast and it's like maybe I don't have the numbers of a Joe Rogan. Maybe I don't have the numbers of like a Jason Bateman, Will Arnett on Smartless or a fucking fly on the wall with David Spade, Dana Carvey. Maybe I don't have their numbers, but do they have the fucking relationships that I do with my fucking listeners? It's a huge point, brother. Do they fucking go to C2E2 and fucking meet up with the listeners? Here's the thing. If you listen to our fucking show every week and you haven't been to C2E2 to meet us, it's like there's nothing intimidating about it. No, it's it's seriously it's like especially if you're if you have any sort of presence in the leftover army and you join in chats there, you're running to people that, you know, and, and there's maybe maybe a minute of awkwardness where you're like, do I really know these people? And it's like, no, you do, because you're all from the same community. We all love the same shit. Hey, man, I flew from from uh, California to Chicago by myself and met you guys all at the same time. And I didn't think it was awkward at all. It was fucking awesome. It was like yeah. one of the best weekends of my life. Listen, quite I, honest. Like I, I look got forward to it every year. 
fucking uh, uh, there's a day where a fucking Tristan Brown listened to the show. There's a day where a fucking uh, Wayne semi dry chicken listened to the show. There's a day where fucking John Counts listened to the show. There's a day where fucking Dre Moore listened to the show. Janine Daling, Brooke Doherty, um, fucking uh, Larry Mayday. Uh, I mean, Jacob Harmon. Uh, I mean, Melissa Sloter. Melissa Sloter. Uh, Billy Blinks. There's a day I, you know what? Fuck all the downloads. Fuck all the fucking, fuck all the downloads and fuck all the, like, the, just like, like numbers. Like, I, I'm sick of like the fuck, god damn it, the fucking, like, oh, the downloads, the numbers, the fuck, the dick measuring contest, whatever, fuck it. It's the relationships that I've built from, uh, from, from doing this show that means the world to me. It's the Matt Kirby's of this fucking world. It's the Joe Vitale's of this world. It's the David Isaac's of this world. It's the people that have fucking, like, listened, that have supported the show. Fucking James Hop. Fucking Aaron Claude Miller. It's 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 those people. It's the people that have fucking been with us for the long time. And it, maybe they don't listen anymore, but they're still our fucking friends. Like I don't care yeah, if somebody fucking they're still part of the community. They're still part of the fucking community, man. That's what it comes down to. I don't. I'm drunk. What the fuck do I fucking know? Jesus Christ. <laughs> But here's now, the, the thing. community around this podcast is is always been an incredible thing. We've got some of the best listeners out there, and and, and man, what, it's it's just always been a privilege to be part of of this community. Well, what I'm trying to say here is, I want you to relay relay the message to Steve that uh, that we love him, and uh, you know, I uh, just hope that I I just hope personally. That uh, Heroes of Noise is a constant staple in people's lives. That because uh, I know your listeners, Dan. I, I I know your listeners, and you may you may think to yourself like you know what. And here's the thing, Dan. Like our listeners, my listeners are a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket of podcasting. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to build us up like that, like, like PCL is like this big fucking thing. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for the listeners that we do fucking have. I'm grateful too, man. Like this probably seems like a, I don't know if people know where we're coming with this, but I will say that heroes is taking a bit of a break right now. We are trying to work out our, work our shit out in our personal lives. And we're just really, really busy and it's really hard for us to meet and record. So there has been some talk of possibly, you know, I don't want to go there just yet, but maybe putting heroes away for a while. And I don't want to do that. I, and if I, if I I'll die fucking trying to keep this show alive, I love it. I've met some wonderful people through this show. You guys included. I just, uh, it's amazing the power of podcasting and, and with the people that we've met and the networks that we've met and just the, just the fun times I've had, I just can't give this up. So, um, probably sounds a little on the blue side, but, Put it this way, Brian. I'm going to do my best to keep it going, dude, for as long as I can. Well, here's my uh, – oh, this is my I, – I don't know how I'm coming off here, but this is my public plea, Dan, <laughs> that the show doesn't go away. That's all I'm saying. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me, man. Seriously. So that's all I have to say. Anyway. Joe. Talk to me, Goose. 
It's your not. It's not your national day. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I've been given the proper respect on my national day. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's see here. What is it? Here we go. Let me see if I can find this. Yeah, here we go. This is should this should be I should we should go out with this. This is Someday Don't play a fucking commercial. Out of this so beautiful. This is how you end. This is how you fucking end a fucking national Brian Day. <laughs> I can see the flag waving. No, it's 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 uh, Macho Man Randy Savage when he fucking came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, turn that off. All right, Dan, where can people find you, man? Heroesofnoise.com. Check us out. There's 203 shows available for you, as well as a bunch of bonus episodes. We like doing it. Check us out. Yeah, check out the Heroes of Noise. Joe, what are we, what are we doing with ourselves? <laughs> Why do I continue to do this? What are we doing next week? Hold on, let me find out. Let me go into my notes here, Joe. I'll give people some teases as to what we're talking about next week. Sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Scream 6, man. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, fifth one was way better than I expected. Yeah. Triangle of Sadness is out on Hulu. We'll be talking about that, Joe. Uh, There's also a fucking South Korean movie I want to talk about called Broker. It's out on video. Okay, right on. I have not heard of that one. It's out on video on demand. We'll talk about that, Joe. Cool. Yeah. I'm not afraid of subtitles. Let's do it. Let's end this bitch. I'm so done. <laughs> guys, we'll see you. <laughs> guys, um, and until next week, we're putting a lid, a on, lid on. God damn it, Joe. You're good. You're good. You're good, man. God damn it. You're good. God. Jake sucked. Jake fucking sucked, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I just mean at the end. Like, Jake was good throughout the episode. It was just the end. It was nailing the ending. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Guys, we'll be back next week with... Ah, God damn it. Oh, Joe. God damn it. Like, fucking C2E2 is coming up. It's coming right up, dude. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah. <laughs> Less than a month now. I mean, it's Less just than a, a few weeks away. Yeah, it's just a few weeks away. I'm going to be hanging out with you. I'm going to be fucking getting drunk as shit. Hey, Dan, are you going to be there? I am not, but I'm going next year. Without you, fail, I'm going next year. I couldn't get the vacation time because I just started a new job. You motherfucker. That's what I told them. God damn it. I was looking forward to seeing you, you son of a fuck. As was I, man, but it's the way the cookie crumbles, dude. They're like, you just got this job. You can't go. Dan started this fucking fitness regimen and shit, Joe. And so, like, next year when we see him, he's going to look like fucking... He's going to look like Jonathan Majors in fucking Creed <laughs> right. 3 and shit. You better watch out. 
<laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Pulling planes and shit. Fucking pulling planes. He's going to be fucking pulling planes by his fucking dick. <laughs> Dan- <That's impressive. laughs> I hate this episode, Joe. We'll see you next week. This episode's fucking shitty. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers Cool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers, podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture, leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.